0: and it's high in the air to deep right. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone! Bernie goes boom! He kills a home run the short way in the right field seats. Burn, baby, burn! All right, here we are. Sugar Me the Mooney episode. we be on 51. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bernie shout out to, Williams. Shout
1: out to Bernie Williams. Burn, baby, Every day. burn. Well, yeah, that, that, that was my guy. That's actually my favorite Yankee ever. Like a lot of people, they always pick like the popular guy, like Jeters and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, Bernie Williams was that dude. It was consistent. He actually could have loved it.
0: Mine's probably uh, not he, he could order, the but Red Bernie,
1: Sox, so he stayed.
0: Oh yeah, that, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie, uh, I watched him the most, uh, but just like Don Manley for some reason, it's just, you know, I never really saw. Him. I only saw him that one season, like in '95, and I was like so young anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like Paul O'Neill. I don't like him now. I don't like Paul O'Neill in the booth. Like today, we're recording this live uh, late at night because uh, the Yankee mm-hmm. game uh, was rain delayed, so we had to deal with two two hour rain delay. Then talking about golf and everything on the Yes Network. Did you even Did you watch that? Just like
1: the whole rain delay. We could have probably did the show. Oh god, I, I know. Really know.
0: But again, I. Uh, uh, we, we talked, right? What time are we gonna do this? Oh, it's a rain delay. I fell asleep and woke up, and it was like the game was about to begin anyway because my sleeves went off. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bernie Williams, we should see him play one time. I uh, perform. I actually went to his yeah. jersey retirement because it
1: was actually on my birthday. If I know how to pull out like the whole
0: postcard that I would it, there you go. Yeah, me and Joel. uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's May. Oh, speaking of your birthday, we're uh, we're almost halfway through May already, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, what is it? May 8th? Oh, another anniversary. Uh, for you wrestling fans out there, today's a special day. Um, hey, Shug, you ever seen that that shoot interview or that shoot match with Doink and uh, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan when they almost fought for real? The, the thing with it is that it was in my high school. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just have this memory of uh, them like brawling half-naked in where I used to get ready for uh, gym. And I just re- remember that it's the anniversary. Uh, and uh, I'm going to pop in a quick clip here when uh, whenever this goes out because it's hysterical because I'm, I'm in the background. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but May 8th, 2021. Uh, what a week for sports for us. Yeah. Uh, especially our, you know, triumvirate of teams that we've been watching, uh, uh, the Yankees, Knicks, and let's toss in the Rangers because – they had to get yeah, they to get their it, shit in this yeah, week. Yeah, it's
1: got some. To, things that happen,
0: certain things that happen. Um. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but with the Knicks though, usually that's like the whole scandal and like uh, people getting fired and stuff with, mm-hmm. with uh, this, you know, James yeah. Nolan. And it's an interesting like, thing like, James because Nolan had to get his thing in, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting thing because I said I was like, watch, like first takes gonna talk about hockey for like the first time ever because they couldn't get all the James Dolan um, James Dolan licks in over the Knicks. So now something happened with the Rangers, and it was like, all right, you know, they, they're going to probably, like, use that moment to, like, you know, beat them up. But the thing that happened was uh, they had a game with the Capitals. Actually, it was the first of two games against the Capitals, and guy on the capitals has a reputation of being like one of them dudes that you know is just in there to just fight and do stuff and it's, it's interesting when you think about hockey because you know hockey is a sport where like fighting and the rambunctiousness is like accepted it's actually it's actually like expected and it reminds me of, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about white boy summer. And I said, like, you know, like when you go to bars and stuff like that, they'll have a list of the things that you can't wear. And it's always stuff that black guys can't wear. But it's like white guys, they'll be wearing like Patagonia and like Dockers and stuff like that. And they'll still fight and do dumb shit in the club that they expect black guys to do, but they don't ban none of that shit. So it's interesting, especially another thing we also talked about, if you guys want to go back and listen to stuff, we talked about, like, the Malice at the Palace, where that was kind of like a watershed Mm -hmm. moment where, like, everyone was like, these thugs, da 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 Mind you, like, there was a game actually in the Garden, I think in, like, the 70s or 80s, where, like, I think they were playing the Bruins, and the Bruins, a whole bunch of the Bruins went into the stands and started beating up guys. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, like, a celebrated thing. It's like, oh, this is a great moment in hockey, da, da, da. But, like, you you know, when you talk about the Malice and Palace, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, they were out of line. Like, this is stuggish behavior, and they changed the whole shit where you can't um, wear certain things to the game. And I think that bred this era where guys, like, basically ripped the runway um when they come to the games and wearing, like, you know hazard signs and all kind of different weird stuff,
0: but <laughs> yeah. But that that was the uh, Broad Street Bullies, the the uh, Philly team. Uh, mm-hmm. That they they had a trademarked uh, name. Yeah, um, they actually made jokes about it, like in The Simpsons too. Like they were like, "Hey, you know, Larry Bird was always fighting. Uh, you know, like the Detroit Pistons in the late '80s too. They were always fighting and stuff, and that was like kind of like, oh, remember the good old days when we used to fight? You know mm-hmm. that? You know they always herald that. But yeah, but it wasn't as fun watching the Knicks this week. I mean, um going into the Denver Nuggets game uh on on Wednesday, um I felt good, right? You felt good going into that, right? I mean, let's just for people that don't know, like uh the I Knicks mean, went on a West Coast West Coast West Coast trip, but they're the top teams in the West pretty much, you know. So Well, yeah, you know. six
1: games. The first two we won, Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston is like the worst team in the league right now. Memphis, they kinda like are not playing bracket um where LeBron said like the guy who created a playing game like he needs to get fired and it's like yeah like you were a proponent of it when you thought your team was going to be at the top of the conference and now that you're falling into that category now it's a problem it's like yeah I could use we could lose these like one or two games and be out of the playoffs and it's like You know, you're supposed to be the quote-unquote goat. And I'm like, Michael Jordan, when he was with the Bulls early on in his career, like he missed his second season or most of the second season with an ankle injury. And it was time to like renew his contract. And they wanted to put in a stipulation that if he got injured playing basketball anywhere except for with the Chicago Bulls, or in practice, that they could void his whole contract. And he played hardball. And at this point, like Mike, Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. It's like you basically had to do what he wanted them to do. And he put in a clause called the love of the game clause, where it's like he could play basketball at any place, anytime, anywhere. It don't matter. Like he could do what he could play basketball. That's just how competitive he was. And I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, fast forward to now, this is a person that people are saying is better than Jordan. And he's like, oh, I could play this game and like it could screw up our whole season because I was injured, blah, 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 blah. Um, we need to get rid of it. The guy needs to get fired. And it's just a sounding. But the Grizzlies, they're in that range of the playing game and we beat them. And then we went into Mm. Denver, and Denver has the hands-down MVP. Um, I don't care what Nick Wright says. Like, like, why should it matter if Nikola Jokic is, like, the worst MVP of the last 35 years? Like, I don't think you go into any season and it's like, all right, I'm going to have the best season ever. I mean – Basically, these guys probably say this this to themselves to hype them up and, like, to motivate themselves. But I don't think any guys like, oh, I got to have a better MVP season than, like, Steve Nash in, like, 2005. Um, But Nikola Jokic, he's a beast. He's a center. Mm -hmm. He's six foot – I mean, he's seven foot tall, anchor in the paint, and he's averaging, like, 25, 10, and 8. And it's like, if there's anybody else having that same type of season, they're going to be in an MVP discussion. And a couple of weeks ago, the second best player on the team, Jamal Murray, went down. And because mm-hmm. of Nikola Jokic, they have not missed a beat. They're still top four in the West. Um, We ended up losing our game, you know, it, it kind of got out of hand in the first quarter, but the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, we outscored the um we outscored Denver, and then we went to Phoenix and we thought we would get revenge for the game where we lost, mm. where we could have won ten straight, and unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. It may quickly. Mm. Um, if you really just. Looked at like analytical numbers, he would probably be up there with the rookie of the year, um, Reese. But he, for whatever reason, he's not. So we miss him in our game, and we also miss Alec Burks, who recently just rejoined the Knicks. I think in that game against um Houston, so we we were shorthanded last night and we lost. But we got a game tomorrow against the Clippers in the afternoon. I can't wait for that. Hopefully. We could bounce national. back that game. National game. um, And if we don't win that, got a game Tuesday. They move that into a national game against the Lakers. I don't know if LeBron's playing. I don't know if um, Ant- Ant- Anthony Davis is playing. But, you know, this team has, you know, uh, people try to use that against them. Like, oh, you ran into real competition. now. you kind of exposed. And it's like, nah, because... Every single one of these teams that we played and we probably lost against, they, they always say it was not an easy win. Like, we're that, you know, we're, you know, playing a full 48 minutes of basketball.
0: Yeah, going into the Nuggets game, remember the, uh, the Nuggets were saying, well, we're playing with a competitive Nick team. We're playing with a, a competitive Nick team. Ooh, that mm-hmm. was something to hang your hat on. Uh, I brought this up to you. Um, the Nuggets had people out too. Uh, and I was like, hey, so I worked on this documentary about uh, Manu Ball, and Ball Ball is on uh, the Nuggets now. Mm-hmm. And he still got to play. It was garbage time, like always. You know, He was 21. You know, Of course, he's like over seven foot tall, uh, throwing throwing shots out there. But when I worked on the documentary, he was playing basketball. And they're like, hey, you want to be like your dad? And he was like, yeah, I can't wait to go to the NBA. And he was like 13, because this was probably like the mid – it was like 2014, I guess. So it was cool to like see him, because I didn't really see him in college. Uh, but yeah, then we had the Suns game, and then uh, we'll see what happens this week. I'm excited. I'm still rocking the weed the garden thing. Gotta keep mm-hmm. that up there. Don't uh, Trump. Yeah, so going with the the now with the Yankees. Uh it was a long day I was just lounging around watching the watching the Yankees. It was exciting. Um, mm-hmm. we had the the X training rules, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I was always murky. Yeah, I know how you I know how you feel. Yeah, I know how you feel about that. Um but you know, in the uh, Yankees uh pulled it out. Uh, it was a rainy uh, rainy day in the Bronx and uh, you notice anybody what they were wearing did you criticize anyone in the audience what they were wearing
1: Uh, I was just watching the game like as a matter of fact like I was kind of in awe of Max Scherzer like you know we came on here we always on here we talk about how cheap the Yankees are but that's the one person I think they passed on uh, back in 2015 I was just like man like if you had him for the past six years, like, we probably would have won a championship or two. Like, he, he's so good. He's such a dominating pitcher. Um, But he came out here today, and, like, I think he had, like, 14 strikeouts. And he was just dominating the team. And I was in the zone where I was like, damn, I'm... Like, he went into one out into the eight inning. And... It was a two to one game, so it was a really like tight game, and you was kind of like ex- accepting like defeat. And me, me personally, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm in awe. Like this is a great pitcher doing this thing, and and last night's game, I actually went out for dinner, got my hair cut, um, and I went out for dinner with my family, and then we came back here, and I actually live across the street from, like, a really nice restaurant, so we decided to go over there and get dessert, and as we're walking in, it's like a 3-3 game in the 6th inning, Mm. and then as we're walking out, like, the same TV is right by the door when you walk out, and it's, like, 11 to 3. I'm like, what the hell happened here? So... Mm. You know, going into this game, you're like, all right, like we're probably gonna lose the series, a bit of a letdown. And they come out today, and I think the one thing that they had a problem with is that inherited inherited runner. Um mm-hmm. they usually let the other team score and then they have like the world of trouble getting our own inherited runner because both guys, both teams get a guy on second to begin the inning um, or their half of the inning. And they actually got in their guy and they actually had an opportunity to win in 10th. It didn't happen. And then 11th inning, Justin Wilson, who hadn't pitched good, you know, a lot of people was expecting him to like blow the game open and stuff like that. He actually, um, I think he struck out two out of three guys and got the other guy out. So their inherited runner did not score. So at the bottom of the ninth, it was just us. And then the bases got loaded. Um, They actually did kind of like some freaky deaky stuff. So that they would have five infielders. They took out Kyle Swarber. Who was playing left. Um, So they only really had like a guy in like right center and left center. And five infielders and somehow some way Gleyber Torres got an infield hit that got the winning run in and you know a lot of people was like kind of let down because we had Houston and we won the first two games against Houston and the third game we had a chance to sweep with uh Gary Cole on the mound I was trying to do a live stream of that. so you know, you guys could see how I act during the games and, and stuff like that. And I could interact with you guys. Um, but it was my first time doing it, and apparently you have to give it, like, 24 hours so I didn't get to do it. Um, but watching that game in the eighth and then, uh, Chai Green walked the first guy. It, it was, like, the seventh, eighth. I think it was the eighth, ninth, and first batter. And he walked the first guy. Um, Somehow, someway, it was like uh, first and third with like one out. And then he – actually, it was a fastball high. And somehow, someway, it's a Houston Astros, so anything is up to chance. Um, Altuve got the ball out. And we – you know, our fans have been giving him hell like the whole series – and I was like, damn, like anybody but Altuve. Like I would have even uh, like rather let like, him walk Altuve and then whatever Brantley did, Brantley did. Um, Because I knew like after the game, it was going to be, the focus was going to be like, oh, like Altuve got revenge. Dah, 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 dah. But they mm-hmm. lost the series. We won the series. And before the series, Dusty Baker uh made a plea and the Astros players was making pleas with like the MLB um commissioner's office and stuff like that to kind of like put like a tamper down on how the fans reacted so a lot of creative shit that fans had planned for the series um stuff was confiscated or guys was kicked out of the stadium and stuff like that so it's soft the hell for the astros they got off such free um, with the cheating scandal, but it, it is what it is. We won two out of three. They didn't come here. They didn't win the series. they Didn't sweep us. Um, it would have been sweet if we swept, but things didn't work out like that. And we've won, um, one out of our first three against the Nationals. Um, tomorrow we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. By the time you listen to this, we'd have a, either have one series against the Nationals or we lost the series against the Nationals. But the Yankees, they kind of look really. They they really do look good, um, as opposed to how they look
0: at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I like Dusty Baker too, man. It's weird seeing him without the toothpick. You know, they they actually mentioned that too. Yeah, I'm a a a huge fan because you know, like they don't
1: they rarely give you know black and Latino managers a shot. Like as a matter of fact, like uh, Carlos Beltran, like he didn't get a shot. You know, he got fired before he could even manage a game with the Mets. And he was a player on the team. So I I feel like he could have got the same. He should have got the same um, immunity as the players did. But it didn't work out like that. And I have a great respect for Carlos Beltran, even though he was supposedly like the mastermind of the whole thing. Um, So I'm hoping that the same way Hinch Got another job. Cora returned to the Red Sox. The whole Beltron. I will be bouncing back with somebody.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the ramifications of this is like, no, know, 2020 was a weird year, but uh, like it's the first time since late 2019 when a thing came out that we actually got the Yankees got a chance to take on the Astros, you know, mm-hmm. and like uh, with, the, with the fans there and stuff. It's crazy. Because yeah, the last time I uh, the
1: was there, last time we went to game four of the ALCS, yeah, 2019.
0: And it was a wild, wild crowd there. Like, you know, that's weird, that's weird that they're like, like you know, hey, tell the fans, the whole point of that first game, the first game with the Astros, like the crowd was 10,000 people instead of like the 50, almost 50,000. Mm-hmm. And it had a great vibe, you know, it was like fun to watch. Uh, they kept showing the crowd, you know, it was like, you know, creative. Uh, it's, it's, what do you want it just to be empty? Like, like it was last year with the bubble where like you just play and there's no. Fan fun and that's all. Point like you guys wouldn't be playing baseball if it wasn't for the fans. You know, it's like, uh that's just cheap.
1: Yeah, well, shook me the morning. We'll be there this year if the Yankees handle their business. Division series, oh, championship yeah. series, dare we say, World Series? But it's all on the Yankees because. But one of the things too today, um, Corey Kluber, he's had great mm, yes. starts against. Uh, the Orioles, the Tigers, who are bad teams, and then he pitched really, really good against Washington, whose lineup, I mean, it, it's up to you, but, you know, they, they're one year removed from the World Series, so mm. they're still a dangerous team to me. Yeah, he did really well, so imagine if for the rest of the season, the Yankees have two-time Cy young winner, Corey Kluber, and I think Luis Severino, he's gonna start um, throwing against live batters. I think pretty soon, um, you know, we could have him July, uh, August. So you know, and and Severino, he's 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 one of the top pitchers in the game when he's healthy and when he's on. So. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of things I perhaps will end up having to eat my words on. And I, I hope so. I root for my team. I don't root against my team. Like, period. Like, I hate Al- Alfred Payton. Um, I mean, I don't hate him personally. I hate the minutes that he gets on his time on the court. But I don't hate him personally. Mm.
0: And, Chuck, you never delete old tweets. You live I up to you. You I re- do not. You'll, you'll reshare it, man. I mean, and I've said like, some, ah, I was wrong. I've said I've said some things when I was
1: in college, and remember, this is a man that used to drink Bacardi 151 street and I used to drink it sometimes while lit on fire. So, some of those things I had to delete, but
0: I don't well, con- go back. Context. I don't go back. Context is king. Mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, but we're talking about the sports and everything. Uh, I alluded to it for a little bit, but we started talking about the game. Uh, but I know we're, let's, one thing we're going to talk about in this episode is, in general, just what men can and can't wear. Mm-hmm, and this yeah. this all came from, yeah, this came from a tweet from uh, someone on a date at an Arizona spring training game. What is this? Yeah, it was kind of a like uh,
1: big deal. Like, this guy's roommate or, like, one of his friends was like, yeah, my friend's... You know, he he tweeted at the Arizona Diamondbacks, like, official Twitter account. I was like, "Uh, my, my buddy, he's on his, like, second date with a girl. Could you, like, show him on the big screen just so he knows, like, we're supporting him and stuff like that. And it blew up. It became viral and stuff like that. They actually went to a game, not only went to a Diamondbacks game, but the third date was uh, Arizona Coyotes game um hockey but apparently mm-hmm. there won't be a fourth game because it, it didn't work out you know it is what it is it'd be like that sometime really uh, is that yeah. the
0: actual background to it hmm
1: yeah it just that came actually... with, yeah wow. that was yesterday that news came out like there won't be a f- fourth date um I'm surprised because I would have got but, hey I would have kept I kept it going I would have been like you know like listen like yeah. It helps you get Instagram followers. It helps me get Instagram followers, etc., etc. But at the Arizona Coyotes game, I was proud of him because guess what? He was still wearing. He was wearing an Arizona Coyotes sweater, and he was wearing his <laughs> shorts. He did not. He was. He did not budge, and I'm so glad for that because um. Uh, Yankees beat reporter for The Athletic or perhaps MLB beat reporter for the Yankees I don't know what the official Term is um, She actually put out a tweet when that, You know came out and everybody was like Oh this cool blah, blah, blah. You know saying because he In the picture he was Wearing uh, um, Diamondback shirt And shorts And like a you know backwards Cap and she was like, um, hot take. Like, I think guys should on a first date should or or like on a date should try harder than wearing a, um,
0: uh, well, have a, store, a shirt. Yeah, go ahead, Mike, because you, you got it. All right. But uh, I am simply begging straight men to try harder than athletic shorts and spring training T-shirt on a date. Well, that's weird. I mean, um, that was a tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you, you know? But I just think it's weird. It's yeah. Like, you know. And then there's a whole thing, you know, like she went, "All right, I don't want the hate." I understand that people went crazy. They went from zero to hundred. Uh, but yeah, but this is this is Twitter. I mean, you you gotta expect a few uh, people just to drop the c word every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Own it. Well, own it. You... If you want to talk about fashion.
1: <laughs> eh, no nah, I, I think people could have responded to that shit and there's been a lot more like there's a way to respond to it and be respectful because um, I think like you're the beat reporter for the Yankees for the athletic so obviously a lot of your follow- followers and one of the reasons like, I follow her is because you know I'm a fan of Yankees and like mm. let me just first of all say she's a fantastic reporter like she's as good as it gets. And she's awesome in our respect. But I'm like, first of all, like what 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 are you supposed to wear to a baseball game? Secondly, it's in Arizona. Like from what I've heard, like Arizona's hot as hell. Like, why would you be wearing like a three piece suit walking around the streets? Mm-hmm. Walking around the streets of Phoenix. Um on your way to a baseball game because you're trying to impress this girl that was my first thing yeah second thing i'm like the girl is wearing like jeans and a tank top herself so i'm like why is you know the the only person that needs to step it up the guy i'm like i thought we're all for gender equality yeah
0: um doesn't she like, need to step date, it up too two? yeah it's date number two it wasn't date three Mm-hmm. Hey, well, you know, he didn't want to be sweaty. I mean, hey, usually it's day three. We don't know why day four didn't happen, but day three was a coyote game. I don't know. He he should have been fresh. I don't know what the situation was with day three, <laughs> traditionally speaking. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you go to a game, uh, you just wear pants and a shirt, and, he, and whatever team you're wearing.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like
0: it just seemed like a you know like a funny thing. Like you're you're actually looking for those type of responses that are going to be like, oh haters want to hate and things like that. I think so. But well, we'll get into just that just in general. I just thought it was
1: like a sounding because I'm like I, I can't I think it was it gotta be 2019. I think it was just before the pandemic and stuff like that. I remember it was um Lizzo, she went to a Laker game, and everybody was making a joke oh, because yeah. it was like you know, it was like she was dressed like Rakishi because she had mm-hmm. like a like a big ass t-shirt on. Like, one of them, like, them franchise boys, Oh, and my white tee, big ass, but it was a black t-shirt, but the whole area around her ass and thighs was cut out, and she was wearing a thong, and this is, like, a Laker game, and I'm just, like, I remember people were being critical of the people who were criticizing her for what she was wearing, because it was, like, a Laker game, it was, like, a Sunday afternoon, um... So it's like, people probably went to the game with, like, their kids and their family, and it's, like, she's on a big screen, mind you. So it ain't, like, all right, she was sitting on that shit, and somebody caught her, like, notice, like, she didn't, like, have, like, some shit covering up her ass. She was on a big screen, and she was, like, hey, and then she turns around, and then she starts, like, twerking with, like, her ass out. And like, people was like, oh, list. like you're body shaming, you're being misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. blah. So I'm just like, it, 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 the point of the matter is, it's like, what's appropriate? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to a baseball game, like if you're a girl and you show up, um, you go on, a, you agree to go on a date with a guy at the baseball game. And you're like, this guy didn't even dress on so impressed, da da, da da. Like you're going to a baseball game, you knew what it was. If like I told a girl, like, yo, we're going, um, like 10, ten things I hate about you, we're going on a date to a paintball range. And it's like, ew, like, why isn't he like wearing a three-piece suit and I'm about to shoot him up with like paintballs and stuff like that? So it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to be had, but I just thought it was way out of range. And then the other thing about, like, Lindsay Adler was, although I do respect her as a journalist, I'm kind of, like, iffy on her as a person because she is one of those white women who, um, when the, tragi- the, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, as well as a few other middle school age girls and other people who probably you know who weren't as famous as kobe ryan but it was like a good significant amount of people that died in a helicopter crash um within hours was tweeting you know in response to to people saying like oh this is so tragic this is sorry that uh like she was wondering people, I was like, oh, like, you do know, like, I don't understand why people are celebrating a rapist. It's like, wait. Like, could, could you not wait like a month? Like, I mean, like, you know, we've been on a show and we've talked about Woody Allen. Like, if Woody Allen died, like, uh, and people was, like, shedding tears and crying over that actual, like, pedophile, you know, alleged pedophile and rapist, like I'd at least give it like a week before I'm like talking crap. But she was one of them people. Another person was Evan Rachel Wood, which I found astounding because she was quicker oh, yeah. to point, she was quicker to point out that Marilyn, she was quicker to point out that Kobe Bryant was a rapist when he died than she was to point out that Marilyn Manson was. Uh, abusing her, and he's still alive. So I I had to take what she said with a grain of salt.
0: Also with this tweet, uh, I mean the tradition of the baseball games of the gay couple, gay men couple going there, dressing dressing to impress, I guess, because she mentions begging straight men. You know, yeah, I forget that they uh they. So they they dress like the '30s still, like when they go to baseball games. Game in, you can you can point them out. They wear the hats like the old old timey uh black and white clips from the baseball so, games. So
1: uh, what, what's our movie called with um uh Kevin James and um Chuck and Larry? Chuck and Larry. Oh yeah, Chuck
0: and Larry. Uh, I I pronounce you Chuck and Larry.
1: So Mike, me and you, like if we're going on, a, on a, we gotta go. The only way it would be acceptable for us to go to a baseball game is for us to. Re- and wear like our Yankees, you know. i wear my Aaron Judge jersey, you wear a Yankee shirt, and we could wear shorts. The only way we could do that is if we pretend to be a gay couple, apparently.
0: Okay, oh, sh- um, no more. Ship- the athletic is gonna have a shipping thing on us, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll get into that just in general, too, because uh, it's not just sports with that whole thing, uh, but yeah, uh, Jay Z. No. Okay, so this came out uh, This came out in a tweet from the source. That was the source. Uh, basically, just to, the bottom line is, Jay-Z regrets Big Pimpin'. And from there, we're going to get our thoughts on it. Because uh, I think yeah. you have a take on it, and I have a take on it. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. And, of course, this is week three of uh, us breaking down the A&E WWE Legends series. The third one uh actually was the most uh most stuff on social media i saw about it in a negative sense uh macho man randy savage uh, you have notes on it you know we mm-hmm. were watching i think we watched it around the same time right yeah i actually was the first one i actually watched like when it was new mm-hmm. so i have a lot to say about that and to, also during this week um uh, the vice channels documentary documentary series came out uh season three dark side of the ring and they had a macho man episode so Maybe we can talk about both of them and kind of uh, compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's going to be episode 51. And one more shout out to Bernie Williams. Maybe he can play us out with his uh, beautiful guitar.
1: (laughs) Now, ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the area behind home plate and welcome back Latin Grammy nominated musician number 51,
0: Bernie Williams. He will now play our national anthem. All right. So this week, uh, the source uh, put out a tweet with a link to an article, uh, I guess, in their latest issue. Uh, but it was a uh, basically it said Jay Z regrets Big Pimpin', and then they had a quote, and uh, it's it's Jay Z. Uh, That's the exception. It was like I can't believe I said that, and I kept saying it. What type of animal would say this? Uh, this sort of thing. Reading it, it in re- really reading it, it's really harsh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was the that was like the excerpt. Uh, when you saw that, give me your take on it. I
1: don't understand the idea of um, regretting things. I think, um, I think you do things. I think you do things, and at one point in your life, and time elapses. And hopefully lessons learned and you grow and you could look back on that period of time and be like, oh God, like I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. Like there's a lot of things like 10 years ago, like back when I was in college, like I'll be looking at, like there's a feature on Facebook where, or even if you type in memories in the search thing, and it will bring up like your Facebook posts from that same day, um, different years at a time. And like, sometimes i look at my shit from like July 2009 and I'm like, F this, um, fuck bitches get money and shit like that. And I'll be like, Oh wow. Like this, like, what was I thinking that day and shit like that. Um, And that's the beauty of it. Like you can look back at yourself and do I regret like my old Facebook posts or my old like Twitter or my old tweets and stuff like that? Like, nah, because I know that I'm a different person from now. I, I know that I'm a different person from then now. So it's easier to look back at that time and see the growth But what I would say is that to a person, probably, you know, at that time I was like 18, 19, you know, in college, freshman, stuff like that. And you're living in a moment, you know, I'd tell like a person like, yo, like you shouldn't be going into college with this type of mindset because you're going to find yourself missing out on a lot of things. And that's the beauty of it. So when I heard, like, Jay-Z, like, he, you know, it's a common theme because he's not the first person to do that, where it's like, oh, like, I regret doing this, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'll tell you right now, Mike, there's something that I love that if they brought it out today, um. Or something that they, they wouldn't be able to bring out today because it would be so controversial and shit like that. Um this person has never apologized for anything that they've brought out. Um Mel Brooks. Like Blazing Saddles is one of my favorite movies of all time. And the comedy that's in our movie, you watch it tonight, or you watch it tomorrow. Like, all that shit. Like, you could not put in a movie today. And people would probably take it, and they would look at it and be like, oh, this is is awful. This is offensive. Blah, 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 blah. But if you look back on it, that movie wasn't all written by Mel Brooks. Uh... was supposed to play Bart Mm -hmm. in the movie and I think during that time he had gotten I think he either started his own show or he was hired to do Mm -hmm. Superman 3 and he wasn't able to play the part but he promised Mel Brooks that he would help him write the film so a lot of comedy in a movie and a lot of like the racially offensive stuff like that it was written by Richard Pryor. And as we've looked back on Richard Pryor's whole past, uh, his, his um, work, his catalog, like he's always been the one to push the envelope when it comes to race and stuff like that. So to put that all on, like the, the great, the legend, um, what am I role models? One of my idols, Mel Brooks, as is Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor is one of my idols too. Um, it would be unfair, but you'd be looking, again, you'd be looking at these things through a 2020 vision and 2020, I don't mean like eyesight. I'm talking about 2020 as in this decade now, because, you know, it, it, everything, I hate to say woke or like cancel culture, because I don't believe in none of that shit. Um, I believe like it's the market correcting itself. And a song like "Big Pimpin," what it meant to me as a as a child when I was nine years old was a couple of different things. I was in the Virgin Islands. My grandma is from Trinidad. My family is Trinidadian, where um very big on Trinidadian culture, like carnival, carnival, um, calypso music, um, soca music, stuff like that. So the video for Big Pimpin' was actually filmed in Trinidad during Carnival. So the different scenes, the different cuts of like Carnival in between the video is the first time I'd actually seen Trinidad until that August when I actually went to Trinidad for the first time in my life. So all of this stuff that like my mom was talking about and my grandma was talking about my grandpa my uncle, things that they experienced that I never experienced yet. That was the first time I seen it in that Big Pimp video. That's the one thing. The next thing is UGK, Pimp C and Bum B. Like, we was barely listening to rap music. The only rap music we saw was stuff on BET and MTV at the time. I would have never known about UGK, the Underground Kings. If it wasn't for that big payment video. So to say you regret that. It's wild. And. When that. You know. When this. When this came out. You know. I thought. I'm fuck them. Love them. Leave them. Because I don't fucking need them. It was a lot of Women that was retweeting that that bar or, or those lines was like, nah, you could have left this in because that's how I feel about dudes. So I think like the one way to look at it is like back then, you know, you was talking about it as like a man, but in today's generation, I think we've grown enough where you could flip it and like, it could become like a feminist thing to be like, all right, that's what I do to dudes that's what I do to dudes and you know girls could be you know guys could still be like that's what I do to girls because it, it, it's um, I think things are more equal if you start looking at it that way
0: yeah and going back with Blazing Saddles that was one of the movies that got the uh, the uh, advisory last summer when it came on streaming they were saying this this was made in 1974 so they that was one of the movies that had the whole uh, last summer I think we talked about it. Also, I, saw um, I got it on DVD, big, ten, Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I on hey, DVD. I went to the dollar store. <laughs> hey, people laughed at me. They laughed at me, you know, but I'm I buy I have all the Blu-rays still. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was probably for it was probably for a Rich Pryor TV show. Uh, he had I think like Paul Mooney was on it and stuff, and they worked on the movie too. Because uh, it was '74, so I think that's probably what it was. No, with Jay Z with the with the lyrics. Oh, big pimping. Like the word pimping became a big thing in two thousands, and it took on a different meaning than just like a sexual thing or whatever or abuse thing. But before I get into that, I just want to say, when I when I looked into this, I took it from more of a because I'm always about social media and like people read one line and then they go off, they do these impulse uh, retweets and they just say all this stuff. If you look at the actual interview, it was from 2010, and it was just breaking down his lyrics because he came out with that book, Decoded. You remember he came out with a book? It was about his. Uh, it was like autobiography. Mhm. Yeah. Jay Z. Yeah. Yeah. So it was with the, it was with the Wall Street Journal. So uh, let me read you the uh, Wall Street Journal. What they said: uh, You're famous for not writing down your lyrics. Uh, so when basically the gist of it is, when you see these lyrics written down, like how do you feel? And Jay Z goes, uh, uh, I just want to give the paraphrase. Like he, like you know, some become really profound when you see them written on page, on uh, written down on the page. Big Pippin, that's the exception. And it was kind of like in more of a, uh, not so critical on himself. He was just like, yeah. you know, like then he's like, he was kind of talking to someone one on one. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the exception though. Yeah, because like in context is king. Uh, but yeah, it's great that like you know, you started thinking about your own self and like mm-hmm. things you wrote down in social media. Uh, what, I, what I took from this was just the way uh, uh, the source was using this old interview for like a new article and for like uh, clicks and tweets and, and all that because context is king mm-hmm. uh, but it does create another it created a whole other conversation uh, w- like with what you're saying like you had like a self-reflection talk about uh, other movies too and other artists who never
1: yeah. I mean uh, straight oh
0: all... All rappers like
1: I'm not about all, you know, and I think this the thing too. Like people with rap, everybody's like, it's misogynistic, it's this and it's that, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, there's a person that passed away today, Tonica Tan, right? What was she mm-hmm. famous for? Being in the White Snake, um, Here I Go Again video, right? Dancing on the hood, and she was The first like video Vixen, so it's always funny to me when people talk about like I'm big pimping. Like that was a video where you had Hype Williams, legendary. We talked about him with DMX, um, doing Belly. He shot the video, um, and this joint had all of these beautiful women. Um, the only one I can name off the top of my head, Melissa Ford, um, and people liking the whole like having girls in your video to like guys but i mean to 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 rap guys but in reality mm. like that should started with the hair bands in the 80s like your poison your um motley crew who um tommy lee uh I they're doing trust. tommy lee and pamela anderson they're about to do like a series about them with lily james who is gorgeous Sebastian Stein who we know oh yeah yeah.
0: I heard about
1: Um, that yeah Falcon and Winter Soldier Bucky Barnes um Mm. and they just released the photos of that so it's not something that was unique to rap people but it's like the same shit like we talked about with the hockey where it's like Mm. when it's black people doing it it's a lot more there's a lot more of a critique towards it but when it's like white people doing it, it's not like a big deal. So my thing with like big pimping was, you know, having girls in the video and stuff like that. That was unique. It it wasn't something I was unique to to rap guys, and lying about it, girls, 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 whatever, whatever. Like all of these guys ended up getting married to somebody. Oddly enough the rock guys like they end up getting married and divorced and married and divorced and having like a whole bunch of kids and for the rap guys it's like they got married like one time and they start families and stuff like that so you know in a jay-z you know you know in jay-z's verse when he's like not for nothing ever happened me giving my heart to a woman you know i'll be forever macking like at that moment, he probably believed that shit because I think all of us, like growing up, was like, "I'm never getting married. Like I'm gonna be like a player for life." Blah 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 blah. This and the third, and what happens? You find out special somebody, and it changed your whole mindset about it. Blah 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 blah. Like there's been movies about it. There's been TV shows about it. That happens, and guess what? Jay Z is that person, like. Lord only knows, you meet a girl look like Beyonce, that would change your whole... And when he met Beyonce, she was like 22. So, and it, that was, I think when they met, it was like three years moved from the song and he's been in a committed relationship with her. Obviously, I guess at some point, there was like infidelity, but they're still together. So, it's after a while, like I think in a moment, you believe that shit, but then like, As time goes on, you become a different person. So, again, it goes back to what I said. It's like, eh, like, you know, it's something you can look back on and be like, damn, I was lying to myself. I'm pretty sure anytime he pops on Big Pimpin' uh, or anytime Big Pimpin' pops on and he's in the car with Beyonce, like, you know, she probably looks at him like, see, I changed you. (laughs) See,
0: I made you change your mind that's an interesting point you brought up about you know about the metal no one considers uh vince neal a uh the voice of a generation or voice of a people uh like the only businessman you know like someone like jay-z he gets put uh all, all this pressure to be somebody a voice of a whole uh generation or a voice of a whole a people you know you get what i'm saying like where jay-z's like oh he's like jay is jay-z you know showing carters you know like that whole thing but with metal they don't like They don't put them on a pedestal where it's like, oh, they're just a fucking idiot, you know, uh, long-haired idiots, you know, like fucking everything that moves and junkies and all that stuff. That's an interesting point. They don't have that, even they don't have that pressure of like having to uh, 20 or 20 something years later explain this, again, off the head lyric that he just was saying in the booth. And now we're talking about it 22 years later. Uh, You know, has has so much more uh, weight to what he says as a person, as a guy, as an artist. You know what I mean? That's an interesting take, you know, that's interesting uh, that he, like, what he, Jay, someone like Jay-Z is way different than, like, the, you know, someone that you were talking about with the 80s videos and uh, metal bands. But when I first saw this, too, I always look at headlines, like, what, like what are they trying to say? And, um, again, it was behind a paywall, too, so you couldn't really see everything that they were trying to say with the with the interview. Uh, but people just see the one tweet, and then they go off on a whole other conversation. Uh, it reminded me of something else that happened this week where, did you hear the thing about with uh, uh, a sample, like a Daft Punk sample? Did you hear about that? It was LA Times or Los Angeles Times. Um, the way they worded it, like the context, there was like no context to it. They said Daft Punk, uh, homeless man homeless man not given a dime from Daft Punk from one of their biggest hits. So if you read that, you're like, oh, Daft Punk, pieces of shit, you know, like just by reading that one like line. But if you go into it, it's the man has resurfaced the sample that they took you know one more time it was from a 1979 french uh al- album and um so 2001 daft punk had the one more time song their biggest hit at the time most well-known song at the time and if you actually go past the paywall you find out that they've been paying royalties twice a year since 2001 it's just that the record label who owns it didn't know who this guy was, like because he like he, he's been out of the business for all this time. But now the good thing with this is that the la- the label because uh, everyone's saying oh the, the booming 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 through the social media, but they're like oh we had no idea, like find him we'll we'll figure something out, like something good came from it. But just the way that the LA Times was like reporting on it, it was very clickbait click clickbaitish to me, and I'm always like, what can you get from one tweet? Uh, you know, because again, it's only so many characters, and uh, I'm I'm glad that from what you said with the Jay Z, you yeah, it was really personal story came from it. Uh, but it's hard to get it from a tweet. That's the only thing I I initially got from it. Uh, anything else with the um, not besides Jay Z, besides Mo Brooks, any other examples you can think of where besides, people have kind of changed or is like Big Pimpin. You know,
1: um i thought of like eddie murphy like my favorite stand-up that you know i talked about it when we were talking about patrice o'neill like eddie murphy raw is the greatest stand-up show i've ever seen but i got them all right here you can't do that today but he's another Probably person where, yeah, he's another person where he's like, yeah, like, I, I can't, like, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, eh. and it, it, like, I'm, I regret it a little bit. I was just like, at that time, you couldn't do it. The thing is, today's comedian, you know, being, you know, that, like, homophobic or You know, the different things I was being brought up, like, you can't do it today. And that's a challenge for today's society. But to look back on that and be like, nah, nah, like, I was wrong for this. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, it it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, that's what made you. Like, and two besides at the time, like, I think, like, Eddie Murphy was only, like, 20, like, four. Like yeah, yeah, he was
0: 1982.
1: Yeah, he was. He, that? Well, He's 69. Raw R- yeah. was raw was 87. So he was like in his 20s still. Yeah, and we're talking about this as like two like 30 year old guys, and it's like we're a lot different now. We were in our like early to mid 20s, and I just thought life is you you learn and you grow. I think that's the point from it. I think if you're oh. that same exact person. I was just like, yeah, hey, well, I did Raw, and, like, I'd do it again. Like, if I did a stand you know, if, like, Eddie Murphy, like, you know, the the thing that's being said is, like, Eddie Murphy, you know, SNL was the first bit. Um, Coming to America was the second one, and his next step is that he wants to do another stand-up special for the first time since Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was like, Oh, like, I'm gonna do shit like I didn't roll, then you'd be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: you know, yeah, you're saying like if you didn't, uh, if you regressed or if you stayed the same, it's way different than you acknowledging, Oh, I said it back then, but I don't, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't, yeah, because
1: uh, uh, you know, it's a lot yeah, of stuff. Know, I mean, like, like,
0: like growing up, I used to li- like I
1: grew up in the island, so I used to grow up listening to a lot of dancehall music that, like, was very, extremely, like, homophobic in tone because this is, like, music you're talking about where it was, like, calling for, like, violence against homosexuals and shit like that. And now, me in my 30s, I listen to our music. Now, I'm like, all right, now, nah, like, this this ain't cool. Like, this is, like, messed up. Um, it, it's, it's my growth as a person. And... Can people say that now? Because people will say, oh, I deeply regret this and not really mean it. Um, So I think it's more genuine when a person is just like, you know what, like, that sure was cool then, but, like, today, not so much. Like, case in point, me and you were talking about, like, a BuzzFeed article that I responded to where mm-hmm. there was... Presenting like different music facts. And they was trying to say that. Um, well, the fact was that Aretha Franklin covered, you know, respect. Mm. And the original version was done by Otis Redding. And they were trying to say in the in the line, it was like they she changed the lyrics because they were misogynistic in tone. And it's like, I sent you the lyrics and I responded to it. When I listen to oldest version, I'm like, it's not misogynistic. It's just a song that was a reflection of the time. Because back in those days, a man was expected to be the breadwinner and to bring home the bacon and to be the the, the, the provider in the family. You know, so he was basically coming home and saying like, I just, like, all, like, you could do whatever you want. But when I come home, just show me a little bit of respect. Like, talk to me like a man and talk to me like a person you respect. It wasn't nothing misogynistic or nothing about that. Matter of fact, when you listen to the song, there's a point in the song where he basically implies that the woman could, like, sleep around on him while he's at work as long as he respects, as long as she respects him when he comes home. And, I mean, it could be interpreted that way. It could also be interpreted that, oh, you could talk bad about me behind my back, but just respect me to my face and stuff like that. But BuzzFeed, you know, trying to look at the song through a 2021 lens was like, oh, that's misogynistic. Like, he's telling, he's demanding that this woman respects. First of all, the song... Is like the, the refrain, like the chorus is the same. All I'm asking is for a little respect, a little respect, you know? Um, mm. He's not demanding nothing more than that, but you're looking at it through today's lens. Whereas if you look at it through the time, it's just like, you know, back in them days, a black man, he was probably making half what the white man was making and if you was like all right you know what we're all for gender equality let me let my wife be the primary breadwinner you know what back in them days a woman was making like a black woman was making a half of what a black man was making in her workforce so she was making a quarter of what the white man was making so you know that's what I'm saying like people have to look back at things and think about the progress rather than
0: looking back at something at the time and saying like this was wrong. Yeah and like I, me looking at the lyrics, I could place myself in that context the context again context is king of like, oh man, a long day coming home like and I said to this to you like I can I can imagine it being, all right. When I'm here, you can fuck whoever you want to fuck. Like it come out like a, a passionate thing. Like uh, that's a vulnerable thing. Like if you're having a fight with someone like that, like you don't really mean it. But it's like, just show me some respect, you know? Because you had a long day and you you bring it home with you. I, I that's as a like, as a storyteller, I can picture mm-hmm. that in my head where it's like, he brought all that stuff with him home and he's just like, just of all the people all day long, no one's giving me any respect. At least and you is. can give me some fucking respect. And orders running you know and at,
1: like order, orders running Dada at twenty six. Twenty six. So he he yeah, like he probably wrote that song at like twenty three, and this was a time when he was like twenty years old. Like you had hey, to go up. and like do like twelve hour shifts at the mill, um, sixty hour yeah. work weeks, just to to break even. Um, so it's a different time, and it's one of those situations mm-hmm. where it's like it's a different time, but it's actually like yeah, mm-hmm. it was a different time. You know, it ain't one of them situations with, like, um, you know, we, we talked about it last week with the American not being racist thing, where it's like, yeah, like, the 60s, America was great because we didn't have the blacks in our
0: suburbs and shit like that. But, anywho. <laughs> you brought up comedy. You brought up stand-up, which is one of the main things where, like, it's that used to be, like, the, the forefront of get, putting things that make you feel uncomfortable, you know? Now okay. it's like, even if you attempt to do it, you can't even do it. But, okay, um,
1: okay. so well, I'm glad you brought that up. So, this is
0: something totally on the fly
1: that wasn't scheduled. So, Billy Crystal, huge ah, yes. fan, um, uh, made one of my favorite baseball movies that wasn't like a wide release baseball movie, but an HBO movie 61. Um, I have a poster. He's talking about how comedy is kind of like a minefield now. So my response to it was like, first of all, like, like first of all, Billy Crystal, like, you're like in your seventies at this point. Like, why are you still so, trying to ageist. like do com- comedy stuff? Like, you you have all these royalties and probably all this shit that you have, like, your hands in. Uh, you probably don't need to make try to be in comedy today. So it's kind of weird hearing about, like, you know, complaining about comedy from him. Um, But my thing was, it was like, you know, if you really think about it, I'm like, Billy Crystal, like, your most famous movie was a movie about um, a not-so-handsome guy playing a long game with a woman (laughs) who was gorgeous. Until you know playing a long game in a friend zone with a woman who was gorgeous, and um when Harry met Sally, um so of course like you would think like comedy is kind of like a minefield because you know that type of stuff would be kind of like me too ish. So so my question is like um like what's what's your thoughts about? Billy Crystal saying, like, comedy is a minefield. Because I kind of agree with him. But at the same time, I I, I have an area where I, I don't agree. It's kind of a gray area.
0: All right. Would tell me that quote, but don't tell me who said it. And I'll agree with it. But Billy Crystal is like, okay. Again, like, you, you were saying everything about him. Um, I never saw him as, like, an edgy guy. Also, he's from, like, a different, different generation. Uh, I will, I wanted to bring this up. Okay, so there is a generation of comedians from like the late 2000s and the last 10 years. And they were super, super edgy. Um, and then now, in the last few years, especially in the last like four years, you don't hear anything from them. And not in the way that Eddie Murphy looks back and says, oh, I, I, could, I wouldn't say it now, but I, um, I don't regret saying it or I'm not going to try to hide from it. Mm-hmm. They are hiding from it. And they have podcasts from 10 years ago that you can't see it unless you're part of like a patreon so they like you're like a super fan so there's no way for these people to get on youtube and like hey look what this guy said in 2012 let's cancel him which i'm not for but they're the ones who go out actively looking up people to cancel like they'll go up to someone like mm-hmm. like a blade crystal saying like comments in field. hey this guy said this let's cancel him and they'll be the active ones trying to get other people in hot water um uh, but they're not the ones saying the stuff they used to say. They used to say like crazy, like on purpose edgy stuff, uh misogynistic, racist stuff. But now what they hide behind a paywall on their like on their podcast and stuff. And I mean I can I can bring them up, but mm-hmm. you know who they are. Like they have they've been around. They have like Comedy Central shows, uh, other places, FX. Um but they're not owning it. Any you mm-hmm. would own it. You know? Yeah. Uh, but it is a minefield. Uh There's, uh, like, me and my brother were talking about this recently. Uh, How do you feel about Louis C.K.? He's been around for a couple years since that all happened. He's been touring. Even in 2020, he was touring. How do you feel about him now?
1: So my thing on Louis C.K. is, like, I love Louis. Um, We met the gentleman that played his brother on the show. He actually came, and he was a customer at at our spot and very cool dude and one of the first things I said was like man I love you on Louie blah, blah, blah. I love the show because one of the things that that show did was he had a black ex-wife and two yeah, and they even daughters up. and somebody asked him like you know that's weird shouldn't your children be biracial or shouldn't your ex-wife be white blah 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 And this is before all of his stuff came out. And he explained, he was like, well, the point is, I'm a person who had children with this person. And we're no longer together, but we're co-parenting. So race shouldn't be you know, factor into the equation and that's how that show handled it. And it's ex- actually extremely like progressive. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of the thing that he got in trouble for they actually had an episode about, you know, like masturbating mm-hmm. in front of somebody. And so he was basically telling you who he was. And yeah. And I, you know like his whole shit I find weird. It's just like like why would you like whip out your like you know, privates in front of somebody unwanted and trying to make them feel uncomfortable—it's just like a weird fetish, and that's the, the the weird place you go with fetishes because it's something that it turns you on that other people may not understand. Um, but in general, it's just, it just—it—it—it it, there's a line that's crossed, and he took some time out and comedy venues were booking him to appear at shows mm. and people were buying tickets to go to these shows. So a lot of people were looking at it and criticizing him. It's just like, Oh, like, this is t- like, why is he thing? Like we need to um, stop this and protest this and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, the issue I have is that you shouldn't be protesting him anymore. You should be protesting the people that are buying the tickets because they're the ones who are consuming him and wanting to see him and creating a demand for him. So, Mike, what's the
0: thing I always say about cancel culture? Oh, uh, you just you said earlier, too, um, the market the uh, determine dictates, right? Yeah, it's the market it? dictating
1: your necessity or your demand or your value. Exactly. So if you get canceled, so to speak, if people protest you, and you know whoever the gatekeepers are, or whoever the promoters are, or the producers, or whatever, whatever, and it's just like, all right, this guy is not worth. You know, the juice is not worth the squeeze with this guy. You know, that's the thing, but apparently there's still a market for a person like a Louis C.K. and people for Louis CK and people still want to see him. So I would yeah. m- like move my animosity from yeah, well, I guess you could still have your animosity towards him, but your animosity should be towards the people that are still consuming him. Much in the same way, like when we talked about Woody Allen. And I'm like, man, like, I can't believe, like, Woody Allen celebrated like this, blah, 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 blah. So what do I do? I go in and I talk about Scarlett Johansson. And I talk about all these different people that are making all of these excuses for him or saying, like, oh, like, that's what a kid said way back in 1992 and blah, 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 blah. And the third, like, i go after those people because going after Woody Allen is not enough.
0: Yeah, and the uh, generation of those stand-up comedians I'm talking about, um, you used the word I was going to bring up, the gatekeepers, because they're the ones who run, not officially, but they run like the stand-up spots. So the people that haven't made it yet, they, these guys made it, these men and women made it, and they're dictating what you can and cannot say, what is comedy, What is what has value, what is, uh, what is uh, forbidden now, even though like, of course it was a different time, like the 2000s and the early 2010s, but now like these people can't make, they can't figure out their uh, their voice in a minefield. So okay, maybe it is a minefield. So they, they can't figure it out, their own mm-hmm. voice, and being edgy, uh, because the, the guys who are on top now, they have a lot to risk.
1: Mm-hmm. We saw
0: it with, uh, I mean, uh, like Aziz, yeah. uh, a big fan of him, his show is actually coming back after all that long hiatus, much like Louis C.K. Uh, he's coming back. Well, of course, it's way different things, but let's just say that uh, he went away for a while. But his show is coming back. Um, we'll see how the marketplace handles it. Um, I think that's the best way to handle the cancel culture thing, right? With the thing you just said, because uh, there's always going to be a marketplace for, and then when there isn't a marketplace, then that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find, then, yeah you find your audience and then going back to like the minefield thing i think it's
1: we're in a place where like everybody wants to be um subjugated from the comedy or accepted like be an exception to the comedy and not included in the comedy and i think like because everybody's looking at it like when you make a joke about a certain type of people. Um, mm. It's coming from a place of ignorance and not a place of understanding. So all that comedy has to be, you know, all that comedy has to be, like, tampered down and kind of, like, cut off at the pass. So I've seen, like, a different, like, a video where, like, it was, like, a white comedian and apparently, like, there's a person in the audience where, like, she was offended by something he said. And, like, he starts mm. reeling off the different things, like, he talked about. He's like, I talked about Mexicans. I talked about this. I talked about that. I talked about gays. I talked about that, that. But now that I talk about this one specific thing, now it offends you. And now, but the whole night, you were laughing at all of these different things, but now it offends you. And I think that's the difference that, like, the the comedy it it's not um that like from the audience perspective it's just like everybody accepts comedy when it's from like everybody but it's not from it, it, the, the, they accept the comedy about everybody but when it starts hitting home that's when it's like oh this is mm. you know this is messed up um. Like, the other night, like, I was actually listening to something on, like, DJ Vlad, and he had, like, Godfrey on there. And it was from years ago. It was from, like uh, maybe, like, 2017. And... I think I saw that. They were talking about, like, Asian men and Asian women. And, like, for the last, like, 45 seconds of it, it was just some really, like, um out of touch, out of time... Out of touch, I'm out of
0: time. Mmm, mmm, out out of mmm, mmm, around Hey, shout out, up, but go go. it was, it was, shake it up, Zoe. <laughs> Keep going. It was some,
1: it was some out of touch, like out of time. Us, like, uh, Asian jokes and. It's like, at the beginning of it, it was making, like, points. And I was like, all right, this makes sense. But then it got to that area, and I'm just like, I'm not Asian. But I was listening to it. I'm like, this shit, like, it's not funny. It's just not funny because, like, some racist ass, like, jokes. And I'm like, hey, you're talking about, like, Godfrey, who's black, and Vlad, who's white, making these jokes. Now, if Vlad was... Uh, interviewing like an Asian person and they were talking about like black people or Hispanic people like it'd be viewed as racist so it's a weird place where people are making comedy from a place of ignorance and not a place of understanding now if you make you know jokes from a place of understanding it's like yeah I know like, all right, my Latin friends, da, 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 they do this, but you know, I'm black and I do this. Da, 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 da. Um, Like, me and Joel, like, we'll joke a lot. Like, me and him will go back and forth about, like, you know, the Caribbean thing and then him with, like, the, the, you know, him being Dominican and how he does things different, how I do things different. It's coming from a place of understanding because he knows me, I know him, but I don't think, like, you know, that mind field that he's talking about, it's just like, it comes from both sides. It comes from the comedian, it comes from the audience. Like, is the audience offended by only things that offend them? And is the comedian making jokes um, just to be ignorant rather than, oh, I know this, so I'm talking about this. And if you find it, if you find the humor in this, you know, There's a joke to be had I don't think that's the thing Like a lot of people Like when people make these jokes Or make these you know Like comedians The things they say are just Finding humor in things It's not so much them making fun of things And that's what makes certain comedians great Mm -hmm. And that's what makes certain comedians falter Like if you're a comedian And you can't find a humor in something Without making fun of it then you're not going to be good. But if you're a comedian, you can find the humor in this shit. Like, you're going to be great. And you're going to have a long um, career. So going back to the shit about, like, Eddie Murphy. Like, he found the humor in gay people being offended about him making a joke about Ralph Cramden. And um, mm. uh, and it's not
0: reality-based. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Exactly. It, it, it's... Yeah, it was a joke he made about the honeymooners if they were gay. Yeah, that's not. I, that's just a fun. That's yeah. That's ludicrous. Of course, it is offensive, but it's ludicrous. But you're talking about like a real thing that happened. Let's say they're you know reality based things where it actually happened to me. You know, like, you know, hey, you, you can tell sometimes where it actually happened. Hey, you know, now like think about train, it. Like you know. And hey,
1: you know now what's funny, like now that you think you now thinking about it, you know when we talk about like the gay shipping thing, right? So if somebody made that same joke right after the MCU over the last 10 years, if somebody made the same kind of joke that Eddie Murphy did in Delirious about Honeymooners, about Captain America and Bucky being gay. Like, how would that joke go over today? But in reality, all of these. Oh, I love the LGBT. I'm an ally and I'm this and I'm that. Da, 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 da. I go to gay pride parades, whatever, whatever. I saw Captain America and a winter soldier. And I think Bucky and Steve Rogers love each other. Like they they're just acting like they're friends, blah, 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 blah. But if we replace Ralph Cramden with um, what's Ralph Cramden, Cramden's friend? Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Norton. Yeah. Ed. If we're like Listen, Bucky, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember the
0: joke. I'm going to take my shield. I'm going to take my shield. I'm going to pick it up. Okay? When I pick it up, my spandex, like, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, and if you I made the, the
1: same spandex. joke, right? What is people going to say? I just That's did. homophobic. Yeah. It's insensitive. It's blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's not on the same side. It's like, all right, I'm looking at it. I'm like, dumb two guys, mm-hmm. they're close. They're friends. They would sacrifice mm-hmm. this and that for each other. But they're completely heterosexual, heterosexual, so it's a platonic relationship. Um, we should respect it as that. And it's like no, they're meant to be gay. Um, and Marvel is too afraid of doing it. It's like, you know, where's where's the balance? Yeah.
0: They, uh, you bring it up. Uh, a couple, maybe a month ago, uh, someone did a, a shipping on Home Alone. Did, okay. ever, did I ever bring that up? No, I don't think I did. Okay, so, so we're they were like, it? oh man. You no, know, it was out. It was the McColly Culkin's character, Kevin uh, McAllister. Oh, the guy. The, the way they wrote it was, uh, oh, I, I want them to do the real Home Alone three. And it was just a matter of fact saying that, like uh, uh, Dan Levy, mm-hmm. he plays. Uh, yeah, Dan Levy. Uh, he him and McCloy Culkin, uh, Kevin McAllister, are married. Uh, and they run like a art gallery or something like that. And then. The humor that I found from it was that the wet bandits are still bad people and they're out for their revenge. And Macaulay Culkin and Dan Levy, they have to work together, Like, but it's now like 30 years later. And this is the humor where I come from. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're implying that the wet bandits are still – they were reformed. you know They got out of prison because they said they broke out of prison or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. The real conflict would be that they actually are reformed and the wet sticky bandits – they live together now. They have they run a business together. Um, they still use a van, but uh, Kevin McAllister's are un, uneasy about it. But uh, I'm this is a weird humor I have where Joe Pesci's like, Wow, man, it's just like this is a, this is a really good piece, and he smiles. And like the thing happens, like in uh, Joe Pesci's teeth, but the whole thing is that they are reformed, and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm reformed. You guys keep thinking that I'm bad, you know, like I'm I'm still the wet bandits. That would be the twist. Like
1: Sasha Bob.
0: Yeah, Sasha Bob. There you go, Sasha Bob. Uh, Simpsons always—they always mean well. They always have funny takes on that. Um, But that's what I took from it—not the fact that why are you trying to ship my uh, Kevin McAllister? I was like, all right, I'll I'll take that. Let's go. Let's use that. I like that. But let's have the wet bandits, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, be trying to run a straight business no pun intended and um they're just like using that just that's made me laugh uh but everyone was like all four it was we like all right matter of fact yes the ship is official like you know we're gonna do this uh that's just something that I've been thinking about because uh, this always comes up for some reason uh yeah but we go back to the one we can turn back around about uh jay-z uh that's where this is where it started from um, it went into comedy, but this could be for anyone. this could be for us you you mentioned things that you posted in 2009, so, you know that you feel, wow, I can't believe I said that. Um, I think everything needs to be put into context, like um, but Eddie Murphy thing is in the eighties. um I'm all for like uh looking back on things and reevaluating, but not just trying to omit it or just completely. Look like if you don't have the ability to, with the Otis Redding song, like, try to see it from someone else's another voice's point of view. It's not the same as yours. I think we're lacking that now in this whole like, laying in my bed all day, just canceling people, just trying to like, oh no no no, I've never seen this before. This never happened to me before, so it can't be real or whatever. Or it's Mm -mm. it's coming from this mean spirited. It's coming from this. You know, that's the thing that we're struggling with now with comedy. Um. Yeah. Hey, wh- speaking of comedy, hey, we we'll do one more thing with comedy. We're recording this live Saturday night. We're recording this live. Mm. Um, wh- what's the whole thing with SNL this week? Elon Musk. Yeah, How do so, you feel about that?
1: Uh, uh I, I mean, like me, I, I I feel like I can't get too worked up about it, it's cause again, this is thing about quote unquote cancel culture. A lot of people get worked about worked up about things that um, they wouldn't consume otherwise so to say like I'm not gonna mm. watch da-da-da-da-da. like I think the last time I watched Saturday Night Live um the last time I watched Saturday Night Live was when Eddie Murphy was on it ironically mm. coincidentally mm. so when this whole Elon Musk and then I think what Miley Cyrus, Who's another person mm-hmm. like I I, I I i like personally mm-hmm. kind of sign because i feel like she's a person who exploited the you know black culture in order to gain pop- popularity um which kind of brings me to like something i, I wasn't going to talk about but i'm now going to talk about and i see a lot of celebrities on the female side mostly um who come out is like, oh, like, I've had relationships with women. um, And I feel so good to get that off of my chest. And I've been with, like, celebrities who are women. But if I told you, it'd be so juicy. And, like, the, the celebrities that say these things, they're not, like, celebrities that you would um be talking about otherwise. And the funny thing about them is, is that, their product or their 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 um art is consumed mainly by the LGBT community so it's like it's kind of weird you're like oh like I, I don't wanna I, I, I wouldn't like I felt uncomfortable coming out that I, I was like bi- bisexual you know even though like your main demographic is you know, gay, bisexual, trans, lesbian people. So it's kind of weird that you come out and say these things. And I I told Mike, like, I likened it. And I'm just saying that from the observational standpoint, I thought of it in the same way of like, you know, a white person being like, or a white celebrity being like, oh, I can do this because I grew up with black people. I'm from the hood blah, 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 blah. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, like, I seen a video um, like this girl working at, like, a Macy's or, like, a Sephora in a Macy's or some shit like that. Like, she um, accused, like, these black women of, like, stealing. Mm. And, you know, the black woman was like, oh, she's only doing this because we're black. And then, like, the girl who accused them was like, I'm not racist. Like I grew up in the hood. I'm down. Blah 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 blah. And I, I likened it to that. Um. So the first person I thought of is Miley Cyrus, where it was like, oh, like she she tried to like shed her, you know, my you know, Hannah Montana Disney shit by hanging out with like Juicy J and coming out with music about like twerking and Mike Will made it and doing all that stuff. And then once she had gotten to a level where people are talking about her, just like they're talking about like a Taylor Swift and like an Ariana Grande, you know, the white people that are consuming her shit. They're like, you know, she, she turns around and she's like, you know, like rap culture is bad. Like we shouldn't be calling women bitches and it's misogynistic and it's like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, when you was getting there, it was cool, but now that you're there, you could down talk it. So that's the same way I kind of look at like when celebrities do this shit. So the person I'm talking about is BB Rexa, who is like a um singer, and she's beautiful. Like I- I'll give it that. And she's always uh, doing this, this body positivity shit, and she has like a wonderful body. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, like she's always talking about like, I, I, you know, I feel uncomfortable about my body and blah, 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 And I'm like, I guarantee you, if I walked out my house and surveyed like a hundred black dudes and showed them a picture of BB Rexa like 98 of them would be like, this girl is like fine. Like her body is banging. Like I want that. And, like, the three other dudes
0: would probably be gay. So, Is that the WrestleMania girl? The girl who did the national anthem at yes. WrestleMania? Yes. All oh, right. Yeah, I know her. Oh, I know her. Uh, Billy Eilish also said something recently about uh, rap. Like, and, and she said something about the lyrics of rap. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. And her ex-boyfriend. I know, I might her,
1: her ex-boyfriend was a rapper, I think, or something like that. Yeah
0: so you know my whole thing with this the the grumpy man and you know the grumpy person in me uh pronouns uh if things they never if some people see things and they think it's the first time it happened it's the first time it ever happened to someone it's the first time it happened and then like they think like nothing didn't oh my do you guys realize this is happening like, yeah, it's been happening for decades. It happened generation to generation. Like the whole thing we mentioned with Otis Redding and Aretha Franklin, that's like 50, 60 years ago, but it's new to someone now. Mm. And there's something about that. There's just, I can't, I, I, I yeah, haven't come like, to a point where I can And like, stand, before, you, before, uh, you,
1: before you continue, like, that was my thing with the Otis Redding and the Respect Song thing. And how, like, BuzzFeed framed it. Because a lot of people... Because I don't, like, I don't really think... I, I think I learned that Aretha Franklin's Respect was a cover, mm. like, maybe, like, f- three or four years ago. So, it was new to me. I never knew. So, never yeah, so, for somebody else who... who who probably didn't, like, and I know who Otis Redden was like three or four years ago, but there's somebody who's like, who the hell is Otis Redden? Like, they'll look at Asha and be like, oh, Otis Redding, he must have been like a misogynist. And it's like, he's a misogynist, and his version of respect was like misogynistic. And that's why Aretha's version became better, be, became more popular. But in reality, it's like, Otis Redden died like two or three years after his version released and Aretha hmm. Franklin uh, recorded her version like a year or two after he died. And she obviously lived for like 50 years after he died. So she could have uh, done live versions and sold so many different like singles, single versions of that song that he couldn't. So that's why her version became better and like Aretha mm. Franklin is like probably top two singers all the time and she ain't number two type of person but you know you got to provide the context for it and that's why I like that, that part when it was like oh it was misogynistic in tone like that kind of just you know that, that shit kind of like um disappointed me and it scared me in, for the people that I like, wanted to like probably research into it or didn't want to research were too lazy to research into it and be like, let me look up the lyrics. Let me listen to his version of the song. You know, people don't want to do that. They'll be like, oh, there's this other person that sung that song and they sung it in a misogynistic way. And Aretha Franklin sang it in like a feminist way. And a woman empowerment and a woman empowering, and a, a woman empowering empower, power ring way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that should be the definitive version. But in reality, it's like two versions
0: should be made. I mean, it's two versions should be recognized. So basically, we had we had a similar maybe like last year. The summer anthem was uh, WAP, right? You could mm-hmm. say that was like a female. Is that the 2020 version of Big Pimpin'? Did we just wrap this up in a bow? And where it's it's being seen as this feminist. He, here I am. Hear me cry. Hear me. Hear me cry. Not really.
1: no Not
0: really. I think
1: the fee. <laughs> I think the female version of Big Pimpin' was my neck, my back, leg, oh, yeah. and my crack. Like. So, well, now that you brought it up, see, so Jay-Z shouldn't regret it because women had their own shit and nobody Mm -hmm. questioned them and you shouldn't question yourself just because today is
0: telling you to question yourself. That's the beauty of art. Art. You just said art. Okay. So in art, the artists and the art, we can't be flawed anymore. We have to be perfect, right? Or we have mm-hmm. to follow a certain narrative. Like we can't be. We have to be perfect now. So most times, artists learn and they grow through their art. So you can't even present a fictional character in a work of art as flawed anymore without that character being the villain or whatever, or uh, the person who created the character or the idea or the song or the story is also a misog- misogynistic or a bad person, you know, or has ill intent, you know. It's like the art world is, I don't want to quote Billy Crystal, but it is a minefield now. You think? Like where you can't even like present a flawed character without it seeping into reality where, you know, art imitating life, like, like you can't watch Woody Allen movies now without thinking about Woody Allen. But that's different because a lot of his characters were based on himself. So I just threw it out there because I'm trying to wrap all this fun stuff we talked about in this topic. Well, what do you think about that? The last thing with this about the, um, about the, uh, the art like uh, you can't have any flawed characters anymore. You know?
1: I think any character is inherently flawed. Every single one of them. I'm not trying to say Jesus is a character, but even Jesus as a person. He's a character. He's a character. Ooh. Jesus as a person right. was flawed. Superman is flawed. No matter how perfect you try to make somebody, they always gonna be. They're all. There's
0: always like a flaw to them. Um, I, a lot of things that are like, it's being presented as like, um, this is what you're. This is a good. This is the way to be. Or, go. I cut you off. But just continue with that. You, like, like a lot of the things uh, we watch I, now, it's I, like...
1: I, I think what you're asking in relation to what we're talking about is that you're going to have to create a character or you're going to have to create a whole form of art, whether it's music, whether it's a play, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, whether it's stand-up comedy where um your material can't be something that has to be looked at with a microscope you know years into the future but i think in reality i think is that we're living in a time where there's a lot of conviction but it's not a lot of understanding. And I think that as time goes on, like the two are gonna meet. Where we could look at things like, okay, this was then, this is now. Um, how can we rectify things so that it would be better um, in the future? And I think that's gonna be the, the end point of it. I think right now it's like a whole area of confusion because even with the me too shit like even if you look back on that and this is the last thing i'm gonna say on it even if you look back on that it was a lot of very real shit that was going on where a lot of guys was using their position or their money or their power to sexually harass um sexually assault sometimes or most of the times, women. But at the same time, there was on the other side, there was a lot of like false accusations or a lot of um false equivalencies. You know, Aziz Ansari, where it's like, all right, this girl was, you know, oh, I'm going on a date with Aziz Ansari. I'm unsure if I should sleep with him or not. I ended up sleeping with him. Now I regret it. But looking at all these women who are like very real instances where guys force themselves on other women, whether it be physically or whether it be mentally, whether it be by circumstance, they force themselves on them, I'm going to equate my situation to them. So I think it's an area where it's there's confusion, but I think there's a point once we move past all of this and we could really start to look at things like there'll be a space where there's the understanding and there's a the criticism and we could we could find like a, a place in between.
0: All right. So here we are. Uh, the third installment of the A Legends. Docu series aired this week and this time around it was one of my favorites got the slim jim thing right here if you noticed uh macho man randy savage okay so going into this whole thing we're doing what we're talking about each each episode eight part series uh we did mention that each one was made by a different crew we did we did bring that up mm-hmm. so uh just th- while watching it uh scrolling through twitter a lot of people were like, a lot of negative uh, feedback from it, uh, the tone of it. Uh, just a immediate thing, immediate uh, take on the Randy Savage doc you uh, uh, showed. What, what was the initial reaction you had from it?
1: Yeah, so you, you sent me a thing, and I was like, yeah, like, because I watched it, like, a, I think a day late. Or, no, I think I watched it late, like, because I, I usually watch things I DVR things and I watched them afterwards so I could skip through the commercials and Mike um, messaged me and he was like different the, the stuff that people were saying so it was like it was a hit job and you know the other two episodes with Stone Cold and Roddy Piper like they were well done and it was very emotional but this one was far different in 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 um. In reaction, so I don't know if when I watched it I was already like on edge, but I was watching it, and from the time Mike told me that, I was like, let me like pull out my notebook and just you know write down my little little thoughts on it. So I don't know if I was watching it through a biased lens, but I think the more and more distance that I have between it, it's been today Saturday. Um, That was on Sunday, so it's been like six days. And I really do uh, believe that it was a little bit slanted in comparison with the first two episodes that we saw.
0: Exactly uh, how I was feeling, too. Uh, But then I went, I used the old Google machine. And I remembered, like I said, how there's different crews for each different series. And then I saw that the uh, the person behind this one uh, was uh, Billy Corbin. Are you familiar with co- Cocaine Cowboys? Yeah, I don't Documentary. know. Documentary coke. Ah, okay. Well, I was a big fan of it, and uh, they made a, they made a sequel to it and everything. While I'm watching it, the fr- in the Macho Man uh, episode, I'm like, is this about Randy Savage or is this about the fucking Tampa nightlife? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Who who is the talking heads on it? You had Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, I'll call him Terry, Both the Love Sponge, mm-hmm. who had the most airtime almost. The world's most famous cuckold. Yeah, but they had them together. I thought they were like, it's weird. Uh, so so then while I'm watching, I'm flipping through, and then I see that this was announced in 2019. So this is announced a long time ago. Uh, so a lot of the uh, people that were recorded... Uh, like Eric Bischoff uh, tweeted about it, saying he he was saying, "Well, this is this is a hit job." I agree. Fuck Bubba the Love Sponge. He was saying all this stuff, and this is something he recorded while he was with WWE two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, time went by,
1: so this might have been and, like uh,
0: this might have been like the test oh, run. Yeah. This
1: might have been the test run, and they recorded all this stuff, and it might have been essentially like the pilot for this whole series that we're watching now. Because I did think, like, I, I thought like, even the the um visuals on it was a lot different. Like, it was shot in, like, a different sepia tone. It was shot from mm-hmm. a diff- like, the interviews were a different angle than mm-hmm. the ones we'd seen before and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I gave it a shot at first the first 40 minutes of it the first half hour i saw they were going with it i was like all right all right uh cosmetically uh it seemed all over the place though uh they had it every time they introduced a new talking head they showed like the action figure and that reminded me of uh the toys that made us on netflix uh like they're going for that tone and i was like all right that's cool you know whatever you know they're they're superheroes you know they're action figures come to life i get that and they're talking about uh you know they have uh his family lanny poffo mm-hmm. talking about like the 70s and they talk about his baseball career which was cool um they had um how he turned into the like, the savage uh i never knew the person that he kind of like based it on that lanny was trying to say where he had like the beard and he's like and i never heard my brother talk like that ever again you know they had that <laughs> So it was very, very by the by the, you know by the numbers like origins that you would see on the DVD, but really cool footage like his family's uh, promotion. I knew that it was like a uh, like an outlaw territory, but uh, I knew that for like long, like ten years, but I didn't realize it was in where it was located. I thought maybe they were in like Florida or something like that, but they were like in the the heart of you know Kentucky and like uh, Memphis, Jerry Lawler, and all that. Mm-hmm. So that was new information. That was cool. I mean, on my Instagram, I posted a lot of stuff from that era, uh, but there was some details I didn't know. So hey, that's new to me. And then it progressed and progressed, and then of course, uh, enter uh, Elizabeth Hewlett, you know, Miss Elizabeth. And they introduce her, and it's like still like his you know career and everything. Then one of the act breaks. Then it turns into. The story of Miss Elizabeth and the Macho Man, and uh, we mentioned Dark Side of the Ring. They had a whole episode. The first episode that aired in that series was the, the Match in Heaven. It was the rise, the the relationship, the romance between Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man. You knew that was going to happen. They're they're synonymous with each other. Yeah. Um, it kept going, and then there was a stark difference. What moment in the documentary did you just completely shift tone? to you um post wwe
1: 1993 yeah s- until the end of his life
0: i uh, for me it was when they had uh gorgeous george remember that moment where his valet and his girlfriend real life girlfriend yeah that's, the that's all the bottom yeah. of my, for me yeah yeah so from there one.
1: a lot of Cause, people like because for one like Hulk Hogan made it seem like, yeah, like after um that incident, um, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna come back to it, supposed in incident mm-hmm. where in Miami, where uh she was staying in the suite with uh Linda and Hulk, and she was kind of getting away from macho man and that whole incident and him he he said that that whole incident led to their friendship falling apart up until he died and i'm like eh. well i remember like i hit you up because i randomly on youtube found the episode of baywatch with them when they Mm -hmm. were in wcw with him, Vader, Kevin Sullivan, Ric Flair, and Hulk Hogan. And I'm just like, if they hated each other, why the hell would they be on um why would they be on Baywatch together? Why would Macho Man leave WWF even if he wanted to wrestle? Cause it ain't like he had like uh like it ain't even like he had like a, a, a great wrestling career with WCW. Like he reinvented himself or he, he um relived the eighties in WCW. He was fairly, um, he wasn't a superstar in WCW. Like he was in WWF. So I'm thinking, I'm like, why would you leave a company? Like, if you hated this guy so much, why would you, A, do so much off-air, you you know, all outside of the ring stuff with him? And then on top of that, like, move to the company that he's in? Like, if anything, that gave you more power in WWE, where it's going to be like, he could have been like, listen... You know, WWE was shifting into this new generation shit. He could have went to Vince and been like, like, this new generation shit that you want to do is not working. And you see Hulk, you see Hogan's getting all of this buzz in WCW. Like, you should push me and put me up against Bret Hart. Put me up against Shawn Michaels. Put me up against Diesel. Put me up against these new guys where you know, I'm still a name because I was famous in the 80s. You know, push me. Like, he could have done that. He didn't do that. He moved to the company where Hulk Hogan was. He didn't compete with him. So that's why, like, that whole idea that, like, oh, like, our friendship was tarnished, blah, 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 blah. Like, we never talked to each other. I didn't believe that shit for one second.
0: A lot of things, like, Terry, Hulk Hogan says in the documentary, like, there's a moment where uh, they're talking about WrestleMania three, and of course it's like lighthearted, where they're like, oh, uh, you know, Macho Randy. Uh, he, you know, every single detail. It was like to the fact to the point where it was annoying, where I didn't want to talk to him. But it, but Hulk Hogan goes, I don't think uh, Randy and uh, Ricky Steamboat wanted to upstage me at WrestleMania three. And then the next second is Ricky Steamboat going, Oh, we were definitely trying to upstage uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Andre. <laughs> like so, basically from there, I'm like, it, it was an example of. Anything that Hulk Hogan says in it is like, uh, no, no, nullified. You know, it's like, okay. So uh, that's what I took from it too, with with anything he says about things that happen. Um, That's that's my opinion about Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So they talk about that with Miss Elizabeth in the early 90s. um, And that's where they begin the whole paranoia. um, uh, But what my point of why I bring up the creators of this is. If you look at the IMDb and the whole uh, the whole resume of Billy Corbin, it's, of course, Miami-centric, Florida-centric, South Florida. Uh, but everything is uh, excess and, like, the rise and then, like, the ultimate, like, fall and, like, the darkness that came from this lifestyle of this uh, excess and everything. Okay, so he did uh, the U, the Hurricanes, 30 for 30 remember that with the Miami uh, hurricane docu? Mm -hmm. And that was like, you know, connections, you know, Miami. He knows all these like people from that area. Uh, That's why it felt weird when everything was like Tampa. They kept talking about Tampa and like bubble love sponge uh, was heavily involved. It just felt really weird. Like, why am I listening so much about Randy Savage from this person's point of view? It felt very um, like unnecessary. And that was like kind of like the meat of a lot of the talking heads in it. He also did, uh, Billy Corbin also did uh, uh, the doping uh, screwball. You saw Screwball on Netflix, but the uh, A-Rod, um, A Rod. I've been to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. All right. So he did that. And of course, he did Cocaine Cowboys. And of course, you're going to look for the darkest, darkest thing if you're coming from that point of view, like uh, that type of uh, tone from his other work. Um, You didn't see that really with Roddy Piper. You didn't see because Roddy Piper and the song "Cold One," we talked about Steve Austin when he went away for a while. There was a lot of dark things that they didn't really address. They touched on some of the negative, his like excessive drinking and stuff. The way they did it though was, uh, of of course, Steve Austin is there. He's able to talk for himself. Uh, Roddy Piper had a lot of content that he recorded right before he died. Like he was getting ready for his autobiography. So. He had all these notes. He had notes from the 80s too, but he had his voice. Like he was able to speak, and um, it was more human. It was more uh, you felt the person. Machemino just seemed like what's like. What what can we say about this guy to discredit him, or just just kind of uh, like 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 a hippie? It's like this is a bad guy, you know. That's why I felt it was very negative in tone, needlessly, and you feel bad uh, because you say how paranoid he was and. Uh, sadly, um, which I always knew this, but it's very it's very hard to think about where uh, Randy Savage and Miss Liz's uh, marriage was falling apart. But on TV, they were getting married, like for yeah. the first time in character. How that. dark is that?
1: And also, I thought like the whole thing, everything they were talking about with her and him was like a work. I thought it was something just to keep up appearances on TV. You got to remember, mind you, we're talking from a perspective where last year was the first year that Undertaker in his 30-year career got to be Mark Calloway. So I think him and Elizabeth were were in the sense that when these people talk about him being possessive and kind of like – you know, just in, in the main part, possessive. I just didn't, it didn't correspond with me because for one, when they got married, they were going through a divorce or they had been passed, they they've been divorced. And then when he went to WCW, uh he went to bat for her and he said, I'm gonna come here, but I need you to hire her. And they were only together in WCW for like the first like, Two or three years and not only that but she started a relationship with a whole nother person and he started relationships a relationship with a whole nother person as well later on and they still work together and i think dare i say that i think they worked together in wcw and when i mean work together they were in the same company but they worked in the same company while being in different relationships um, for a lot longer than they were actually married and working together on TV and off TV in WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, am I right in, the, in
0: saying that? Yeah, pretty much. The only time that Macho Man and, and Miss Elizabeth were like side by side was uh Savage's initial run where he was uh, I think, what mid 85 and then he turned heel in 88 like mid 88 he turned into king, uh macho king too and he had uh sherry so mm-hmm. the only three years he was with elizabeth and then in 91 they came back for like 6 uh 3 months when they got married at the match made in heaven so mm-hmm. uh, yeah you're right you're right and she only came aboard uh, she came on board uh, he brought her along when the marriage was struggling on the rocks and that was like the last ditch effort to all right let's try to save this and then it just obviously blew up you know and and then
1: Talk about Dark Side of the Ring. On the Dark Side of the Ring episode, Linda's, Linda Hogan, or formerly Linda Hogan, her version of the story is similar but different to Hulk Hogan's story on this episode of Biography in the sense that uh, apparently like Elizabeth left her and Randy Savage's home without letting him know, and it kind of sounded like he went looking for her, and his uh, mania was from a place of worry and not like rage or abuse, um, rage or jealousy. abuse or jealousy, whereas in Hulk Hogan's version and this version, he's like, yeah, she was at the pool talking to, like, the tennis pro or some shit like that, and he showed up, and he's banging out on the door, and blah, 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 and it it made it seem like he was coming from, like, a jealous rage, and I, I thought that was the main difference.
0: Mm-hmm. And it goes oh, hand that-
1: the 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 commentary
0: on it. Again, like, with this particular one, it's all the, the points of views are from people I don't really want to hear from. I know they were there, but it's like, I don't trust them.
1: And I'm glad you, I don't trust I'm glad you I don't brought that up because they had Peter Rosenberg, Berg, who's somebody I've always... Uh, I'm not a big, huge fan of. Yeah. Quite the opposite. And then they had um, uh this other dude, Soder, who I'm familiar yeah, with. Dan yeah,
0: Dan
1: Soder. Dan I'm familiar with from MTV's um Guy Code. I think he was on that, but he said something at the end, but we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the end of his life.
0: Yeah, they had, again, like super fans, basically. it's like, because that's in the beginning too. They were like, it, they're presenting it in a, in a less dark uh, tone at first. It was like they had the, like maybe they had this edit and then they're like, you know what? Oh shit, Dark Side of the Ring just aired. Let's make this dark, you know? It's, Let's it's, make this more dark. It's like, you what did
1: it's like when they do the um the biography of Bernie Williams, like, do you really want to hear 20 minutes of, like, Suge talking on that shit? Probably not.
0: <laughs> I know, yeah. But it's like, yeah, I get it. The super fan. And Peter Rosenberg was at that thing in the White Plains where I, I will talk about. Um, that's why I said the part with Gorgeous George, uh, Stephanie Baylor's, uh, Bel- Bel- um, and she even said, like, uh, oh, well, things were bad, but then, you know, things were also good, and it was kind of like they were pulling all this stuff from her, like, like, what's, like, the work? like, what's, give me more. Like, they got, you can picture the guy behind the camera, like, come on, fuck, tell me more, what else did he mm-hmm. do? Yeah, and, you know? and like,
1: even it, even her story of jealousy was, like, it, it, it from what, how, from how she described it, it came from, like, the steroids, and that's why I say it was kind of, like, from what I took from it, there was a point in his life um visually you could tell but now you're oh, yeah. in the backstory of it where he was trying to recapture his youth whether that be from steroids and whether I be from Diana's hair and stuff like that and it was implied that he had cameras on hmm. her place but she she was like, you know, he was doing steroids and ecstasy and all these different drugs. And that's what it was. But he was still like, you know, he, he wasn't like abusive to me and stuff like that. I just found out it was weird. And then when I found out about it, that's when we ended our relationship, blah, 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 blah. And then he continued to live what sadly became to be the rest of his life.
0: Yeah. And then romantically... He apparently met up. I heard about this too. Uh, his like high school sweetheart. They called and I, I picture pictured this like storytelling wise, like the lotus. You know, like he was a baseball player. Uh, he tried his damnedest to stay. You know, he learned how to throw both hands, bat with both hands, which is not mm-hmm. just switch hitting. It's like he even threw with both hands. Um, that didn't work out. And they show this really awesome promo where he uh, basically says, like, "What do they do with you when they're?" done with you in baseball they empty your locker out they throw it out there they're done with you so guess what i'm done with baseball and mm-hmm. then like, he key focus 100 on wrestling okay so in 2000 you know but let's not forget that he has a huge role in spider-man um everyone mentions bone saw you know that's like a big pop culture <laughs> thing right yeah because so- i
1: remember seeing a movie when i was a kid me and my cousin we used to go to the movies um Every, every Tuesday because I used to have to go to the eye doctor and my ah, cousin man. he was the only person he was the only person that was off that day or he, he changed his day off so that he would be the one to take me um, when I was a kid and it was right there uh, on it was at SUNY the optometry school yeah across from Bryant Park mm-hmm. so walked down a couple blocks. AMC and Lowe's so we used to like do my eye doctor thing and then we'd go to the movies and catch a movie and we saw Spider-Man and as so- soon as that part came up I was like I know damn so that's right, that's Macho Man that's Randy Savage
0: but time was different back then being kids uh, mm-hmm. like it felt like oh that was a long time ago when Macho Man was Macho Man right but it was only like a year after WCW ended he filmed it while WCW like was probably still like dying days only like he probably filmed that in the late 2000 probably which Mm -hmm. is crazy to think about because it was delayed a year too because of uh september 11th i think it was like pushed back the movie uh but yeah like so he had that success and what i thought of from watching it uh and knowing his career when wrestling was over he put that to bed as well as baseball like i'm focusing on movies all right fine he's also focusing on rap uh but don't forget it was all for charity it, they hid that fact, or they didn't really. There, there was no mentioning mention of his like charitable efforts. And if you follow me, you've seen my Instagram where every once in a while I post this really cool like Randy Savage talking to kids thing, right? A lot of charity work, and people uh, joke joke around about the rap album, but he wanted to fight in a real fight, Hulk Hogan. And if you watch those clips, uh, I have the clips. That's hard to find on YouTube now, but he says. I'm gonna knock you out, Terry. I'm gonna bitch slap you, but it's for the kids. It all goes to the kids' charity. You know, he's like talking about charity the whole time. They didn't mention that really at all, and it's a mm-hmm. shame. It's a shame. Um, did you think? Just, did you think? Because this was the thing I got from it.
1: It was done in a way to make it seem like he was jealous of Hulk
0: Hogan. Yeah, totally. Like, I agree. Did how about well? What do you mean? Like because the Kogan made the he made the leap into Hollywood, and Savage failed at, um, failed at it maybe, but he didn't really. He had the success. What do you think? No,
1: I mean, well, here's the story of how I got into Hulk Hogan. So as a kid growing up, I used to watch USA on Saturday mornings, watching Super Mario Brothers, Sonic the Hedgehog, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And when all that stuff was done, what used to come on? Superstars. WWF Superstars, right? And I watched a little bit of it, never really got into it. But I always remembered Macho Man's Slim Jim commercials Mm -hmm. and the commercials for the action figures and stuff. And I knew of Hulk Hogan from, like, I knew of Hulk Hogan more so from, like, Mr. Nanny and Suburban Commando and the movies, the stupid ass movies and shit. I knew of him from that, but I was more of a fan of Randy Savage because he had the whole gear and the distinctive voice and stuff like that. So I was far more, um, I, I, I floated more towards him than I did Hulk Hogan.
0: Mm. Uh, you we mentioned we, we failed to bring this little uh fun thing, a uh, fun moment. Uh, so when Macho Man became um like Macho King, he changed his gear, you know, he started wearing like the long, long pants and uh covering up the top. Mm-hmm. And the guy who did it, Braun, uh, who apparently was Jimi Hendrix Taylor in the 60s. Oh, yeah, that I that was, <laughs> yeah, we glanced yeah. over that, that was fun. Uh, like that was outlandish. That's what I always loved. I yeah. love that Macho Man. That well, version, well, like
1: the early I, 90s I love, and this is the, one of the like positive points of this biography aside from it being a hit job because we're going to talk about the positive points of, Hulk, of, of Macho yeah. Man. And we're going to do him justice at the end of this. But I, I love the way like his outfits or the idea that he com- came up with the outfits were from Pimps. Yeah, I'm I like, know, yo, you watch watching you're like, damn, like, magic, like, if you've ever seen, like, now it comes together. Because if you ever look to, like, if you ever look at, Players like, the Don, Magic, um, Don, Magic, Bishop, Magic, Don Juan, and then look at, like, Randy Savage, you'll be like, oh, all right. So it got me thinking of, like, one of my favorite <laughs> movies, The Mac, with, um, mm. Max Julian. Where it got that scene, oh. the players' ball, which was parodied mm. beyond no end, most famously yeah. on Chappelle's show with the player haters' ball, where all the, the pimps and would uh, show up, outcast, and all kind of yeah, that too. Uh, I have the Mac so right it, here,
0: actually on VHS.
1: Yeah, I love that movie. So, <laughs> it, it like that that was one of the positive points. I was like, oh, all right, so now it makes sense. Like, cause What do he
0: say? What do so, so? Randy shows up with these two stars and the name Macho Man on his derriere, and he's like, "I need real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I need real estate." So, like, from his feet to his head, you know, like the hat and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. Randy Savage was a fun character, and um, mm-hmm. I do agree with you know yeah, but you know of course, uh, there's always um oh he locked Elizabeth in 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 the in the office like. He kept her away. Well, it's eh, thirty guys that are loaded. Like I, said, like you I
1: know, said, I think it's a work because it's like all right, like you, you're in the arena, right? And Elizabeth's only supposed to be with Marshall, Man. That's the whole, um, gimmick of her. In that, this beautiful. Remember, he had the scene. He had the whole thing where he turned out all the famous wrestling managers to have this beautiful woman because nobody had had a woman being their manager. And I, on Elizabeth, that level
0: on that stage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Elizabeth like paved the way for like a Sable with Rena Merrill, uh, China with Triple H, um, Trish before she went on, like all these women that became that first came on as managers, like, she was the first one that came on as a manager and became more as famous, if not more famous, than the person she was managing. Um, and I think, like, it's just, like, imagine if somebody was walking down the hallway, and because that's the one thing, you don't see pictures of Elizabeth anywhere else except with Macho Man. So, it's like, people got Polaroids and little, like, disposable cameras. Like, imagine somebody's walking down the hallway and saw Elizabeth talking to, like, um, uh, George the Animal Steel before WrestleMania 3 or talking to Ricky Steamboat. And it's just like, oh, no, like, she she's not with Randy Savage. She's her own person. So, you had to work your gimmick. Like, if you've watched The Young Rock, that's the one thing Rocky Johnson keeps bringing up. You know, you got to lean into your gimmick. You got to lean into your gimmick. And it was more so present back then than it is now. It's harder now because social media, all of these guys, like, people see them out and about. It's much harder today. That's how you got Migos, Randy Orton, and you got... Mm. Be old John Cena and stuff like that. So I think it was all a work. I think half the time there was a room where he'd probably be like, Elizabeth's in there, don't go in there. And like Elizabeth was probably like somewhere else. Mm. Eh. They made it seem like he had her locked in this room and he he was the only person that had the key. Like he was Blackbeard. Bluebeard. Bluebeard.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, again, um, i can see probably both sides were to a, to a certain extent of course you got to be protective when you're around these guys especially back then these crazy animals you know hulk hogan walked around with a fanny pack full of uh goodies and gimmicks and stuff uh that's what the whole thing with this is like they're putting a negative light on savage uh and not even hyping up the whole positive things he did family man like you said before he had a uh, his brother get a contract and Elizabeth was brought, she was not in WF anymore. She was gone by um, like early 92. Mm -hmm. Um, She got a contract from uh, 90, you know, 95, all the way up to 2000, 2001. And sadly when her own, own own life took a negative turn with Lex Luger, um, you know, Macho wasn't with her anymore. He wasn't with her anymore. Yeah, well, you know, um, full disclosure, I I got his autograph like two months ago, and uh, apparently everyone who knows him now says he's like hundred he's like uh, one hundred eighty degrees different. Uh, I read his book. He, he has his own little, he has his own strat, uh, story uh, that happened to him. But uh, yeah, but like a lot of just kind of putting the blame on like Rainy Savage for a lot of things that happened to her and mm. stuff. Which is unfortunate, yeah. uh, but then they also bring in the gorgeous George. thing. Where, that's why I asked about what, what moment in the film, in the docu, where like it kind of changed. I felt like if they were, if they filmed that later on or at a different point, like I felt like they went back and like, all right, let's fill in the blanks here. Let's try to let's get another act out of here. Let's try to and like they had Rosenberg in and talking about the rap thing with the, uh, the album. Uh, they brought up TNA a little bit. Um, did they bring it up? Did they bring up TNA where he showed up in 2004? No. All right, no, that was no, something really else I watched. Really. Okay, that was something else. Okay, so uh, so in 2004, he came out. He did like a six man tag, but like he came out at the end, and he says, "You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be remembered like this." Like he stepped away, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way they presented it was kind of in like a, kicking. You know, just like um again, it was all from like the mouth of Terry. Like Terry and Hulk Hogan is the one to write the final chapter that a lot of people are going to know anything about Macho Man is from this documentary. He's the one who's like writing the story. You know? Did uh, you get that? Yeah. And, and full disclosure, this is one thing
1: I also took out of it. Um, Obviously, everybody knows... Or everybody is aware of like the rumor of like, oh, this is why like Vince didn't bring Mm, like Randy Savage, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to speculate on that. Um, Because for one, I don't think it's true. But I do believe now watching it. I think the issue was late in his career. We all know this. Randy Savage was phased out of in ring competition to do commentary, right? And it was him, Vince, and I think Bobby Heenan on Monday Night Raw. Uh,
0: Yeah. Uh, They would have some other people every once in a while, like uh, local celebrities in the New York area, like everyday DJs and shit. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, basically those three. And. I guess, like, how it was
1: detailed in this episode, I think that's how it went, is that it was like, oh, like, where's Randy? Where's Randy at? Where's Randy at? Like, who am I doing commentary? da 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 The day of, and then come to find out, Randy Savage had left the company, and Vince had to deal with, um, you know, he had to find somebody else, and I became Jerry Lawler. And then Jerry Lawler became the Jerry Lawler that we knew in the attitude area. Um, Vince, I think is a forgiving person, but I think that disrespect in that probably through the years of them working together with him as a wrestler and then him as a commentator, I think Vince felt disrespected that he just up and left. And that's why he gave him, and I think he knew that the audience would be like, where's Randy at? Where's Randy at? Blah, 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 And that's why he did, you know, the whole, you know, I'm a biggest fan, you know, thing we, you know, did for mm. Joel when he, he left. Godspeed. I think he did that whole thing uh, to reassure the fans, but I don't think it came from the heart, but that's how... Great at being Vince McMahon on camera. Vince McMahon actually is. And that's why he did that. And that's why Randy Savage wasn't brought back, you know, post WCW purchase. And Randy Savage wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame until uh, about like five three years. Or, yeah, five, yeah, yeah, good amount of years after he died. Um, I think that's a glaring point. I think there was a lot of resentment there and it was a lot of unresolved things there.
0: Um, and that's why I think that came to be. Well, we're talking about the documentary. So, you know, I'm a huge fan, you know, there's a lot of other stories that aren't, aren't presented to us in this, Uh, but I, there's things I've heard and I've read where he didn't get, he didn't get inducted because, uh, Randy Savage wanted to get inducted as the Paphos. He wanted to get inducted, him, his brother, and his dad at the same time. And Vince said no. This was like two thousand eight, nine. But they made the DVD though of it, and then they started selling those toys. But he he did one promo. Did you ever see that one promo he did when in like two thousand ten? Like he didn't look like himself. He looked like Harry and Hendersons. Everybody's like white hair, and he was mm-hmm. selling his toy. That was it. Apparently, also he's the one who gave the the recommendation to Molly Holly for WWF because he worked with her and with gorgeous George. So he was talking to the office, apparently. I, I don't know why I think it, he had more control of the fact that he never came back, but it's never presented in this, but a lot of things that I hear, it's like he, when he was gone from wrestling, he was gone. He wasn't going to come back. Um, but he was macho man was really, really hurt. Uh, cause he's like, Again, he's like you know he's like half, half Italian, or whatever. So family is like a big deal to him. And he at one point wanted his dad honored at like a, a old timer's day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vince said no or something like that. And like he held that, he held that in for all this t- a long time. And then when he uh, quit over the phone, he was like drunk and he quit over the phone uh, in a voicemail to Vince. And he's like, he let he says something about you disrespected my dad, you disrespected me or whatever, and um, that was it. And he's just like, the next day, like, hey, where's where's uh, Randy? He's not gonna come. He's not here anymore. Move on, pal. That's the, that was the whole thing. Yeah. But I think if um, that other rumor, I don't think that ever happened. The I one mean, that we, that... you know, the one that no one, that never happened. I just think it's the fact that it was all business. If they both agreed. And they both made concessions. They were both strong-headed guys. Um, that's why it never happened. They both had their own uh, yeah, things I th- that they weren't going to spend on.
1: I think that rumor came from, for one, I think around the time that people started, you know, the internet started mm-hmm. bumping like that. And it had all these forums where people could just speak freely. It was around the same time like that one of the people involved, like their character kinda like was, you know, a little slutty and stuff like that. Mm. So it gave people, you know, people felt like they had license to be like, oh, like that's really how she is in real life. And like, you know, this this happened. Um but I don't I don't think that was. I, th- I think it was more of an error of like professionalism. Um mm. no showing and stuff like that. But As far as the documentary goes, like I said, Peter Rosenberg. I don't know why he got so much airtime. I don't know why Bubba the Love Sponge got so much airtime. I think when you get Hulk Hogan talking about stuff, um, for a long time, it isn't fair. Like Hulk Hogan. Like this was a lot. This this was the part that pissed me off. People that hated Hulk Hogan. I mean, people that hated Randy Savage got a lot more time than his mother and a lot of time a lot more time than mm-hmm. Lanny did and I I, I was like mm-hmm. that's, that's when I was like I knew this this wasn't fair like think about it this way obviously like Roddy Piper's children and his wife talked a lot in last week's episode but I feel like Stone Cold Steve Austin's brothers and sisters like talked a lot more in their episode, and it was only for his pre-wrestling career that they talked about. They got a lot more time than Landon Poffo did, and they had these, these guys. Uh, um, for one, what was discussed is that, like I said, Randy Savage he was taking steroids, and you could obviously see he was dyeing his hair because his hair was like black as mine when he was like in his mm. his his fifties. Uh, and I think he stopped doing that, stopped doing the steroids, and then he was, like, a regular sized person, like myself, and it was like, 240s or whatever, and hair was gray and everything, and then he found this newfound love. Oh, one of the things that was also talked about, Lonnie, a few times they had him on here, they said that he was, like, oh, like, you know, talking about Elizabeth, it was the type of thing you didn't bring up in a conversation unless he brought up because, you know, mm-hmm. Randy felt that passion. Like he, he still loved her, mm-hmm. even though she wasn't there. Um, but he found love with somebody else and he had a heart attack while he was driving. And his mm-hmm. wife steered the car into a tree so that the car would stop. And he died. And he actually died on um, I think it was May 21st, 2011. Yeah, 2011. yeah so it was yeah. three days before my birthday and I actually went to a Yankees game. It was a subway series against the Yankees. My sister and my brother-in-law brought me as part of my gift um, for my birthday. And it was actually at that game that they celebrated. They had like they played macho, macho man, and they had mm. macho man on the screen. Rest in peace and stuff like that. And it, it made me get emotional. I was like a wrestling fan. And that's one of the things I remember. But in the the biography, I remember, I was like, what the hell was Soder saying when he said having a heart attack and crashing into a tree was the macho man way to die? I just thought I that was weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, who the hell is this guy? I've seen this guy live. Like he's like buddy buddies with a lot of the guys that are involved in wrestling. Like you know a lot of stand up guys are are cool with a lot of these guys. Uh but it's kinda like that's a weird thing to say. Um It felt weird because just, everybody was talking yeah, about how, a lot of things like, he said it was weird.
1: It, it it felt weird because everybody was talking about how like he was finally past that life. He was past his wrestling mm-hmm. life. He was he was accepting being Randy Paffo again. Not being Randy Savage. And I was just like, oh, that's the way he, like, he, it seems like he made a deal with like the devil. Like, that's how he wanted to die. And I was just like, this isn't sensitive
0: as hell. And it's, it's not him. Or, or he sacrificed, where they didn't hurt anybody else, only themselves, you know, or you can go that route with it, you know? Um, he said the same thing about Andre. He a lot of things about Andre Giant, too. Um, like, what if, what if his that's wife keep him around? What if his wife died? Because she was in the car with him,
1: yeah. like, would you still be saying that? It's weird, that's all to say. But in the thing about Randy Savage, um, his promos were great with me Gene Oakland, and I say that because I just want to talk about the, the impression he had on me personally, like, me and one of my best friends. Uh, we always have this thing where it was just me and him hanging out, and we go out and we do stuff. We go to, like, basketball games, baseball games, or we go out in the city drinking and stuff like that. And before we go out, we'd hype each other up, you know, with, like, the Mega Powers thing because mm. – and I would call him, and, like, I would talk in, like, Randy Savage voice, and i be like, oh, yeah – gonna get out here and we're gonna be savage like and and that's one of our sayings is like street savage street reckless and we always use randy savage gifts and quotes to talk to each other so like i remember like one of the times i was like a downtime you know i was not feeling that you know i was depressed i was going through a bad thing and like we was going out and he sent me a thing and it was the one when he had the creamer and he was talking about how you know the
0: Yeah. Here's the
1: thing about the cream. Oh, he rises to the top. And he sent me that and it made me feel so good because, like, for one, like it resonated me with the wrestling thing. And then Randy Savage, like he just like Mm. I was just his whole gimmick. It was just being like the out there guy. But he always knew what to say.
0: Yeah, like a uh, intellectual, savage. Like you know, like um, like that one thing I posted recently where it's like, ah, I'll get there. I know the level to get to or that. Uh huh. I know it'll happen. You know the whole thing. That stuff. I to, you know hype yourself up in the morning before you go to work, or whatever. Uh, so Savage like transcended just like wrestling. He's like you know pop culture. You can say like Stone Cold him, like Flair. Uh, you, you can send those gifts to anyone, and they'll know who it is, and they'll they'll get it. It doesn't, even, you know, they'll understand it. And here's, um, and, here's and that's the, gonna live
1: on? And here's the thing about Randy Savage, and this is this is going back to the thing I said. It was done in a way that like Randy Savage was jealous of Hulk Hogan. Like all of these different like eras of wrestling, like they have a guy that was probably like the top guy, but it took a group of people to do these things. So the, the boom in the 80s, Hulk Hogan was the face of that, but you still had Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Rick Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Andre the Giant, all of these people. Attitude Era, you had Stone Cold, you had The Rock, but you still had Triple H, you had HBK, Bret Hart, um, Goldberg, NWO, all of these people. It made these things. 2000s john cena is the guy right but you still had randy Orton, batista um eddie guerrero all of these people so it's never just and, that one guy so to try to say that i like randy savage was trying to be hulk hogan i don't think so i don't think there'd be a hulk hogan if there wasn't a randy savage
0: right um What? Well, yeah well one of my favorite moments is uh uh 89 to 92 that whole macho man when he was king macho man a macho king Randy savage and um he's the first one to get the belt after hogan you know like an 88 he he won wanted you know in a way where hogan didn't have to lose uh but he still had it and then they flipped him uh, i have it right here at the wrestlemania 5 um yo the mega, mega power yeah, was
1: mean, like the mega power was like, so right well, me, and, <laughs> me and my best friend like, me and my boy, sure. we always, like, when those two, like, shake hands, I was like, you know, Hulk Hogan's like, I don't know what's going to happen when we shake hands, brother, the whole world might explode. Yeah. That?
0: I'm getting the sign by everyone.
1: Yeah, um like we we always used to share that with each other because i'm like i always just because i used to be always our thing i'm like yo like when we go out like i don't know what's gonna happen bro like it's me and you so like the world i don't know if the world is ready for us i don't know if the streets of new york city are ready for us and i, I was like our whole vibe and we got that from I'm more so say Macho Man than Hulk Hogan, but we used it too because that was the Mega Powers. It always be like the Mega Powers exploding.
0: Uh, Rainy Savage was very outlandish and cartoonish and out there, but there was a realness to him too. You know, mm-hmm. there was some like you know reality to it. Um, yeah, so what I'm gonna say about just as again, we're talking about not Macho Man, we're talking about the docu. We're talking about the actual. Again, feature-length documentary, which these all are. Um, I'm not criticizing the filmmaker. He did what he was. He did what he did, like successfully did. He created what either he wanted to make or encouraged, based on the like, Dark Side came out that year too, while they were making this. And WWE is trying to like blur, trying to get into that uh, field, that um, that area, you know, where like the blending the reality, like the, the real life. Drama, but the way they handled it was just there was uh, a charm like Dark Side of the Ring has, um, hum, 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 it's very more uh, human to it. Oh, what's the word again? Like, emotion. Like, there's episodes where there's like kin and like family, and it's like more heartwarming and real. I can't I think, think of the word.
1: I think that it's untied. Like, I think it's better because it's not tied to any promotion so it's a lot
0: more candid and it's a lot more um impartial Mm, yeah all right so i'm i'm saying that they did a good job it was produced it was well done uh but i'm gonna go back to the stone cold one the first one um that was created by that was made by the andre giant filmmaker um so you know i'm just trying to let you know that uh that now look now realizing that like it had the tone of that HBO's uh, Andre the Giant, um, the Roddy Piper one, uh, it was the J- Joe Levine who did Namath, the HBO's Namath, and Namath is kind of like a flawed guy, um, you know, with the subs, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. But I think he, they did a, a good job of um, showing respect to Roddy Piper and. Uh, but the way the Randy Savage one was done, it's kind of like this is the last opportunity for the um, casual fans and just people in the public to see uh, Randy Savage presented to them in a way. And it's like a negative tone and it's like a bad taste. Uh, as a fan, a bad taste in my mouth. Like they're making him out to be like this very uh, coked up, uh, drugged up, steroid fueled, jealous guy, uh, abusing women who had like a midlife crisis in his fifties. Uh, he never was Hogan. Um, Hogan's there saying that he was never me. And it's like kicking the guy when he can't talk. He, he has no, uh, even his family couldn't even talk for him because they were on it for like a minute. But you have his mom there. Uh, his father's still alive, I think, or maybe just fast, but um, it was kind of like the last opportunity for Hogan to get, uh, get one over on him. You know, because mm-hmm. obviously he had some of the most screen time. They, why was there a whole part of them talking about Bubble Love Sponge Show where they were shitting on him? Like it made no sense. It was like it was playful, to, and that they were trying to act like playful, but it was like mean spirited, and um, it wasn't well. It wasn't it, it achieved what they wanted to achieve, and I didn't like it because yeah. didn't have to go that way. They didn't talk about the charities and stuff, and so now. Uh, next week, we're going to keep going with this, and it's Booker T. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person, the director of that is George Roy. He did a really great HBO Sports one, uh, The Curse of the Bambino. That was a good one. So he made that. So let's see how he takes Booker, T, Booker T's life and career. Uh, he's still alive. He's going to be on it talking. Um, so it's going to be different. It's going to be more like Steve Austin's one. So I'm looking forward to that one. We'll see how they handle it.
1: Mm-hmm. Final thoughts, Mike, on this week's
0: episode. All right, so final thoughts, episode 51. What men can and can't wear. Uh, We are talking about the baseball game uh, tweet originally. Uh, I didn't know about the whole no fourth date. I feel bad for that. Uh, But just the tweet itself, um, a lot of the comments were very negative and you don't want to see that. Um, Again, like you 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 follow the uh, Lindsay Adler and she's a really good, uh excellent, competent uh reporter. Uh but it was just like a weird tweet. And if you're gonna tweet something like that, you, you, people are gonna write some stuff because if I saw that and I like followed her, I'd be like, like who cares? And then, again, the whole thing with like the guys, you know, straight men, like that seems if we're talking about twenty twenty one, straight man can't have style. Uh that's all I'm gonna say about that. Jay Z, Jay Z regretting, regretting uh, big Pimpin I, I'm really glad because uh, I was going a different direction when I when I read the tweet I'm glad me and you had a long conversation about whole sorts of things uh, but it all made sense to me it all very very concise in the fact that context is king um, I think that's the theme I always try to find a theme for these podcasts uh, you can look back and have okay, well, I wouldn't say it now. I've grown. Uh, I'm not going to completely just ignore it or try to hide it, hide from it, which some people, celebrities, and people in the public forum try to do, especially if you're trying to say, uh, this person did this, so let's let's focus on what they said now and just completely ignore things that you said in the past. got to own it, you know? And the actual quote from Jay-Z, he he wasn't saying that, because oh, uh, he's, he's performed it, over the last decade, uh, it's just the tone of how he said it, how it was written. Um, it was context. Context is king. Um, and then we talk about Randy Savage. Um, okay, so I think a lot of this came from WWE trying to uh, get some of that dark side of energy, dark side of the ring energy, and they went full blown one way and. A lot of the fans uh, who watched it didn't didn't appreciate it. Uh, I think it was kind of a failure. Um, they achieved what they wanted to do, but uh, the way it was perceived by fans is going to bite them in the ass. But we'll see how they come back with Booger T. I'm very excited for that one. And uh, Dark Side of the Ring, of course, is an excellent series as well. I think there is a new rivalry between WWE and the uh, dark side because there is an episode of dark side of the ring this year and it comes out on may 27th. It is called becoming warrior and it's about the ultimate warrior. And that's may 27th on may 30th, the WWE legends, AE program comes out, you know, three days later on the Sunday. So that'll be a fun way. Cause we compared and contrast a little bit, the uh, Savage Dark side and the Savage A episode. Now we can watch. We can watch it the same weekend and see how they uh, they had their own takes on it. So that should be fun. I don't know who's making the Warrior A and E yet. That wasn't released, but uh, just from a you know structure wise and filmmaking wise, I'm excited to break it down. Not as like totally just a fan, but uh, again as uh, as a film. Uh, the guys who did cocaine cowboys did It was a successful Docu I just didn't like The people involved Because uh, it kind of shits on the legacy Of one of my favorites And even if he was my favorite He did a lot of terrible things And Now the you know Terry Funk uh, Terry Funk huh, Terry Bollea uh, Got his shit in one more time Like he did Over the last four decades Shug Yeah Um with, Lindsay Adler, who
1: um, criticized, like Mike said, went specifically for straight men because uh, I don't think, I, I don't know, that, that kind of brings like a whole different question. It's like, would only straight men um, take a date to a baseball or a sporting event? Uh, is that not something what gay men? would define as a date like taking each other to a baseball game. Um I don't know. You can find that kind of like homophobic in of itself, but teachers his own. But my thing is like criticizing like a specific group's um clothes. I think it's it's in the same way. Like when I used to work at a certain place, like women would wear yoga pants. While they were working, and I wasn't like frowned upon. But if I showed up wearing like hoop shorts, I would get sent home. So, my thing is, I'm all for gender equality. I've been said that, like, I've already said it a million times on this show that, like, I'm the type of person, like, I would be totally fine being a stay at home dad and being like a homemaker because I like to cook, I like to clean, I like doing household shit, uh stuff like that. Like, and when three o'clock rolls around, I like to watch General Hospital. So gender roles and shit like that are lost upon me. Um but my thing is if you want equality, like how can we be critical? How can you be critical of what a man who's not dating you personally is wearing with another woman because clearly they went on That was their second date, so God only knows what he wore on the first day. He could have been dressed up, and they would have went to a nice restaurant And for a second date. He probably suggested a baseball game, to which he agreed, and it looked like they was having a good time at Chase Field in, in, in Arizona at that baseball game. And then they went on to have a good time at a Phoenix Coyote game. So who who's you to say? Now, if that's what Lindsay – if Lindsay Adler was going on a date with a guy and that guy showed up in shorts and it was a date, you know, to a baseball game she was covering and she felt that was, like, unacceptable, that's between her and that guy. But I think to characterize everybody, is kind of messed up, especially, like I said, Lizzo show up to a game with her ass out literally – and you know when people came on and criticized that, they faced criticism for criticizing. Um, Jay Z, you know, talking about being ashamed of big pimping, and I feel like erasing who you were then kind of weakens who you are now, because for a person to take a stance now and to show that they're a different person and their world has expanded from where they were back then. Um, you have to appreciate that you the, the person that you were back then. It's like, you know, an ex-Klansman or an ex-neo-Nazi. Like that person wouldn't be on TV if they were like, well, that never happened. It's like they'd be on TV talking about like, yo, like I was dumb as shit because I was listening to all these people with all these dumbass ideas. So I think the regret making Big Pim is like a bad move, especially like I said, he was thinking of it in a like very myopic view, where he was just thinking about the song and the lyric. And I'm just thinking about like the song where like, you know, at that time people was probably bopping to that shit and looking at it. And they were seeing Trinidad a place that I'd like me, a Trinidadian a Trinidad descendant, had never been. Um, It was, you know, on a worldwide stage now. And UGK, who probably outside of the South and outside of Houston, wasn't big or wasn't viewed from different pockets of rap rap fan bases, you know, they were now seen on a worldwide stage. So it's like, you got to think of it in that way. Like today, would you do a big pimpin? Ah, because you know shit like that probably wouldn't get you airplay because everybody, you know, being Jay Z and releasing that type of music, it wouldn't, you know, it would be open to a lot of criticism. But I wasn't aware of that criticism until he openly criticized himself. But to say you regret it, I think is a bit of a far stretch. Um. Macho Man left a lot of, like, left a great impression on me because he was probably the one wrestler from, you know, my cognitive years into my getting into, you know, wrestling fandom that like I watched from, you know, one point to that. Um, but to see the a biography kind of like not do him really any justice. It's sad. And I think WWE they play ball with who they want to play ball with. We've already seen out with um Owen Hart's family. Where, you know, a lot of fans they want Owen Hart in the WWE Hall of Fame. But in reality, they shouldn't. I always wanted them until I watched that Dark Side of the Ring, where it's like, if you want to do Owen Hart's legacy justice, you got to contribute to the Owen Hart Foundation because WWE is doing whatever it takes to like railroad that family and keep them quiet. And that is unfair. Um, but this has been episode 51 of Sugar Me and Mooney. We'll be back next week with episode 52. We'll be talking Booker T, who's a person. Who literally their life might have been saved by wrestling. So we'll see whether or not their um, perspective or storytelling of his life is more in line with the first two, or if it's going to be, you know, what it was with Macho Man. I'd venture to say it's it's the former rather than the latter. But till next time. Check out all our YouTube videos. We got a lot of great stuff on there. Um, a lot of stuff is uploading between this episode being uploaded. Um, so check those stuff out. Um, The 1619 Project, we're going to talk about the 1776, something that Donald Trump was trying to do before he uh, left office. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be up on YouTube by the time this episode is out. So check that out. And this has been Shug Me The Mooney. Shug Me The Mooney. Shook Me The Mooney.